Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In 1985, a young author is sitting in his Liverpool apartment. He has no typewriter. He has no word processor. He's putting a literal pen to paper. The words start flying off the pages. And in 1986, he publishes newly finished short story, The Hellbound Heart. The Hellbound Heart dives deep into hedonistic ideas and the concept of differentiating the line between extreme pleasure and pain. It also introduced us to a group of nameless creatures called Cenobites. The book didn't pick up steam until a fellow author named Stephen King made a statement that would change the author's life. I've seen the future of horror and his name is Clive Barker. This serial killer isn't about Clive Barker specifically, but when an artist, and I mean a real true artist, is also able to create one of the most marketable and successful franchises ever, you have to give them their roses. Clive famously said, I want to be remembered as an imaginer, someone who used his imagination as a way to journey beyond the limits of self, beyond the limits of flesh and blood, beyond the limits of even perhaps life itself. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, hold your breath, make a wish, count to three, and come with us to a world of cruel imagination as we explore the franchise of Hellraiser. Everybody and welcome to the horror show. Show dissects, mutilates, dismembers, and butchers all of your favorite and not so favorite horror movies and other horror related events. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. We are back, baby. It's been a while. We didn't get to do the live show. Sorry about that. But fucking holidays, storm, storm duties. Uh, Joe and I work in the uh, uh, energy. The energy racket in Connecticut. Energy fucking racket. Uh, and uh, and so, you know, storms, whether it's fucking wind and drizzle or yeah. an actual blizzard, for whatever reason, storm duty happens regardless. Uh, so, uh, you know, we were we were both tied up doing a lot of that stuff and, uh, of course, the holidays. So thank you all for your patience with this and uh, sorry about that. But we will have a live show in January. Uh, of course, uh, we are doing Serial Killer on Hellraiser. Back. The Hellraiser franchise. Back. I'm excited, man. Happy 2023, by the way, is the first day of kicking off, happy kicking off the year with a serial killer. Happy fucking New Year. Yeah, New Year, new serial killer. And and serial killer will maybe be our January staple, baby. 
just to make sure our fucking first month of the year is a fucking miserable, miserable. piece of shit. <laughs> I like it. Let's start the year off on a good thing. Because then everything else is just cake after this. Uh... Uh yeah, happy new year. Did you see Duran Duran was the big band for for Ryan Seacrest, Dick man. Clark? I love Duran Duran. I love Duran Duran. And I still do. I think they sounded great. But to your point, I know you're I know you're tight about seeing their old asses up on uh Dick Clark's Ruth Steakhouse uh ball drop, but you know, they're they're good. They're, listen, here's the thing. It's it's all fine for the interviews when you got a close-up of their faces was a little too much for me. But that that's it was nothing about Durant Duran themselves. It's just like they would cut to the crowd and like all these fucking kids are like, that's, who the fuck is this? That's the problem. That's the problem. <laughs> Which was the problem with the Super Bowl, right? When you had like the Rolling Stones. Nobody, I love the Rolling Stones, but like nobody that's at the game, like the kids tuning in. Are giving a shit about the Rolling Stones. Dude, they're playing Hungry Like the Wolf and like they're cutting to the crowd and people are like, like, yeah, like <laughs> fucking slaps, but like, what the fuck is this? Like, no one was singing along. Uh, so Duran Duran rang us into the new year. God bless them. 2023. Um, one thing, just real quick, that I just want to talk about and like I wasn't going to, but I had mentioned it, I guess, briefly on All Documented, All True. And like I got some messages, and they were all mostly positive. Um, but like some people, like just kind of like brought this to my attention was uh, on all documented, all true. I kind of like dropped randomly that I had like recently been diagnosed bipolar. Uh, so I got, of course, a lot of nice messages being like, "Hey, that's cool that you're talking about it," and blah blah blah. And like I got a lot of those, and then I was like, "Well." Then I started being like in my own head, like, well, I did talk about it, but I talked about it on a show that like a fraction of our listeners hear. Uh, so I was like, maybe I should just drop it in the episode because people were saying nice things. Like, you know, it's nice to hear you talk about it and like kind of get rid of the stigma. And they were, they had personal accounts and and all these things. So I was like, okay, maybe I should just bring it up on the show. So yeah, I was recently diagnosed with that. I had like a really fucking weird summer, like a super manic summer, like a manic episode uh, to the point where I was like, <laughs> I don't know whether I'm like the happiest and healthiest I've ever been, or I'm like so far fucking gone, like in my brain that like, I, I don't even realize like where I am. Uh, and it was the latter turns out uh but you know i sought out the fucking help that i fucking needed i went to a psychiatrist and i went to a new therapist that specializes in it and uh you know things are things are actually not better things are actually not great at all but that's because i haven't gotten my new medication yet because my psychiatrist went on fucking vacation for like a fucking eight weeks because i guess that's what we i guess that's what we fucking do (laughs) so thank you i'll see you tuesday you stupid fucking asshole uh i can't wait to fucking rip her a new asshole like fuck off like anyway but i'll be better soon it's fine so everything's great so if you couldn't tell by my hair things are going fucking great uh i haven't changed my clothes in two weeks um anyway so i just want i just wanted to say that and like i appreciated everyone's messages and it's all really nice and uh 
yeah. And so if I haven't gotten back to you in a while or haven't been talkative, uh, it's that's, that's actually like a big part of it. Actually, it's the only part of it. So, um, I've just kind of been, I've, uh, what you do. No, I said, and he hates you. Oh, I'm trying, trying no, to that, <laughs> that's the actually a hundred percent accurate. So don't, <laughs> don't, don't fucking give that up. <laughs> Cause now the people, once I'm medicated, will know who they are <laughs> that, that I despise. That's actually just kidding. That's just kidding. I uh, appreciate you all. I love talking to all of you so much. Um, that's good stuff. Uh, hey, we got Clive Barker. We got, well, we don't have Clive Barker. We have Hellraiser, which, uh, I'm sorry. I'm going back. I'm going back because I interrupted you with a joke, and uh, it's very admirable of you to share that and put yourself on the line like that. So uh, thank you. Yeah, I didn't think it really was, but people were like, I got a lot of messages being like, "That's crazy." And I'm like, "Oh wow, no, that's cool, man." Like, I, I, I don't know. I guess it. I don't know. I, and then I started thinking about it. And I was like, maybe it is a bigger deal than I think. Like, there's a lot of shit with that. But anyway, um, thank you. Um, but we're doing Hellraiser. That's that's more important. That's way more important. Uh, not, we are doing. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, the last few days of me fucking digging into Hellraiser uh, has has been a fucking blast. I've I love it, dude. Serial killer. I th- I I feel like we need things like serial killer because it occupies my brain so well. From like you, you know everything else is going on work life everything and then like i just focus on this and i enjoy diving into it and enjoy i fucking read the hellbound heart i got the, the audio book i didn't get day. to finish it i it's didn't short. get to finish 158 it. pages uh dude i mean if you saw the first movie uh you don't really need to read the hellbound heart uh the opening scene is better in the book oh, but yeah. everything else is like extremely faithful to, which makes sense. Really? Clive, that, that Clive directed it, but it also makes me appreciate Clive more because you mentioned Stephen King before, and all I could think of is how Stephen King directed Maximum Overdrive, and fucking Clive had no experience. Zero. In, zero, 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 zero. And I know I'm jumping around and getting ahead of it, but just on the topic of the book, this guy, he saw his movies Underworld, or he saw the movies Underworld and Rawhead Rex get adapted from his works, and they're just enormous fucking turds. And he's like, I can't. Like, you guys are ruining my reputation. Like, people are watching these. My name's attached to it. I have to do something about this. He's like, I'm going to make my own movie based on this book. He has no experience with it. And he went to the library to check out books on how to how to film movies. Like, that's actually what he did. He went to the library. And the library that he went to only had two books on how to make films. And both were checked out. So he was just like, I'm, fuck it. I guess I got to just you know, make it up as I go and, like, ask cinematographers and stuff. So... Kudos to Clive Barker. Kudos to him. And as I mentioned in the intro, this guy is a real fucking artist, man. He starts out as a fucking author, uh, which he continues to do. He then gets into like painting and obviously filmmaking and even filmmaking. Like he does a fucking bang up job on this movie. He does. And then fucking steps away and immediately is like, I'm good. And then he ends up doing again, not to get it too far ahead. He ends up doing, um, Nightbreed. Nightbreed, which the studio like fucking chops up and is has too much hands on. And then he's like, I'm fucking done with movies. Like, fuck this shit. Like, I'm out of here. And that is fucking admirable, man. Yeah. That is like 
That is crazy. And then I then he went I on just, to executive produce and he did uh Candyman. Yes. Yes. And I I've always liked Clive Barker. I've probably said some dumb shit about him on the show, but that's par horror for the show, course. Baby. Yeah, that's the horror show. Um but I've always I've always actually liked him. I fucking love this guy now. I I've dug so far into this dude and the funny part is sometimes I caught myself making my serial killer notes on Clive Barker and not Hellraiser, but it's hard to like differentiate that two at least in the first two movies. Um because he's just so involved in them and it's like it's hand in hand. Like Hellraiser 1 is the story of Clive Barker also. So um, as I mentioned, the serial killer is not on Clive Barker, but I, I have a lot to say about this guy, man. Like, and, and I also want to say that um, also it, it, Clive created like lifelong jobs for a lot of fucking people. Yes. Yes. That's I mean, fucking nuts. These people were like established in the BBC. You know, they, they did the people in his movies. If you lived in Britain at the time, they popped up on, on BBC movies or in, in stage plays. You know, they're big in theater. Yep. Then he just made them like they're playing monsters, which, by the way, barely featured in this movie, which barely. I've seen this, I've seen this movie like a hundred times and I watch it almost every October. And I always like when I when I do the serial killer, I pick up on things that I probably should have been picking up on. But when you're watching movies for fun, like you don't think about it like this. And it just blows my mind how little these guys are in the movie. And I wanted to read the hellbound heart for that same reason to be like, maybe they were more prominent. They're probably less featured. (laughs) It's crazy. It it is. It is. And, and just like there's interviews, there's lots of interviews about this movie. That's the other thing I was going to mention was this is somehow the most I've prepared. uh, But I also feel so ill prepared because there's just so much information out there about these movies. Like Clive is willing to talk about them. And like, so there's interviews upon interviews upon documentaries upon behind the scenes. So I did my best. Joe did his best. We're going to give you as much as we can. I'm sure we'll still get emails being like, actually it's this, Listen, here's the other thing. Clive kind of contradicts himself sometimes. So don't come at me with Clive quotes because I watch that motherfucker say two different things about the same topic. All <laughs> the actors, Sean. Well, first off, I said the same thing to Tina. Uh, I always eat dinner with my family. And today I was like sweating being like, I saw like 10 hundred uh, YouTube videos that I saved that I have to watch like interviews. She's like, why don't you just go upstairs and like bring your dinner with you? So I did that. And I was like. Honestly, like Pepe Sylviaing it, be like, I don't know how I'm going to get all this done in time. Like, I have to watch two videos at the same time, blah blah. blah. But uh, not only does Clive contradict himself, but when you watch a lot of the actors who I who I've grown to to like love all of these people because they they care so much about this world. Oh my god, like, so much! They're so like ambiguous. Like, so what do you think Pinhead's like true purpose is? It's like, well, what do you think? That's why he's fucking asking you. Can you just give an answer. Yeah. It, it's great. It's fucking great. I I do love them. They're quirky as fuck. The whole crew is like fucking a little nutty, uh, and I think that's why it fucking works. Um, this, this movie is so the first one, well, both of them, but it's so like sinister, right, and and brooding. But I bet it was a blast to work on. I bet I bet they all had fun doing that. Such a low budget like working with. Clients. Do you remember? And and I actually I actually rewatched the whole video because I remember seeing clips of it. Do you remember? I think it was like a few years ago when those clips leaked from them in the makeup room. 
And it's like all the Cenobites in their fucking gear being like, and like making jokes and smoking cigarettes and shit. Yeah. It's fucking insane. (laughs) It's like one of my favorite things. And dude, Doug Bradley, like, like you'll, you'll see Clive and Clive will be like, it took six hours every day to get him in makeup. And then you talk to Doug Bradley and he's like, yeah, it took six hours, like the first week. And then he's like, and then I figured out how to do it myself, and I cut it down to like two hours. And you're like, you said like two fuck? to three, yeah, yeah. And, and Clive's do, or fucking Doug Bradley's doing it himself. Like, what? What, what yeah, is happening? This is very do-it-yourself movie. It's yeah. honestly incredible. They made it for less than a million dollars, and like, yeah. th- that was Doug Bradley. Doug Bradley was a stage actor, but this was his first feature film. Oh yeah, he grew up with fucking uh, Clive Barker. Like he's yeah. known Clive Barker since he was like sixteen, which is yeah. wild. Wild. Uh, just friends and, and, making a movie for it to be this good yeah. is incredible. And, and Clive really, truly is like a like a tormented artist. I guess you could say he he in his interviews he will talk about like he's like I will not release something I'm not okay with. Like if it takes me like fucking years, he said like one of his books took him like four years, and it's like that's nuts. And he's like I just uh, sat there writing it for four years and you're like dude what what? like that's fucking crazy and a lot of his friends have described him as being like he'll be writing like with two hands like two different fucking stories and like also thinking about like a painting he wants to do and it's like the guy just like does not stop and if you want like a cool glimpse into to to clive i would suggest listening to nerdist number 590 i think they changed the name of the podcast but if you search nerdist clive barker podcast it'll come up uh, it's a great interview. Uh, the first part is September 2013. It's right after Clive has a multiple strokes and goes into a coma from toxic shock syndrome. Yeah. And actually just shortly after Christmas too. So like right around this time. Um, almost dies. Three strokes. Goes into a coma. Um, he wakes up like three days in. And he's got tubes in them and all this shit. And he's like, I see figures like with all this stuff. And Chris Hardwick, who's interviewing him, is like, that's literally sounds like something out of fucking Hellraiser. <laughs> and Clive's like, oh, I never even thought about that. That's brilliant. <laughs> How could you not think of that? He's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then they, they, he was actually so sick that like they had to stop the interview. And he came back a year later in 2014. And they, uh, talk about that it was to promote that night breed because they had that director's cut director's cut yeah because the 25 for 25 years they lost all the footage how the fuck does that happen man (laughs) dude it's fucking mental it's fucking mental these fucking morons um so again i don't want to like get too much into dude all i have are clive notes it's so crazy i have so much fucking information here it's so fucking i don't even know what to make of this it's such a mess um, so Clive's 34, he makes his directorial debut with Hellraiser and it's the result, like you said, of those movies being made. And he's like, he called them abominations <laughs> and he Honestly, said it felt I, as if I, I thought Rawhead Rex was fun, but he's right. Those movies are abominations. And if dude, if that's your story and you know, you know, the story wasn't written like that, <laughs> like fucking like, look at Hellraiser. Like, you know, fucking Rawhead Rex is not that. Whatever that is. So, like, imagine it's, like, your fucking baby. Like, you fucking birthed it. And, like, him being so, like, specific and, like... I would pay to see footage of him at the premiere and then seeing (laughs) Rawhead Rex's reveal for the first time. Fucking rubber idiot. 
I remember when we did Rawhead Rex, we actually talked about it, how like the studio was like, like they put blood and shit all over him and he was like all dirty and the studio was like, no, like clean him off. So he's got like these pearly white teeth and shit and you're like, the fuck? He's a fucking demon. Like, what is this? Uh, But dude, I would pay for that too, dude. Imagine his fucking face. He must have been fucking steaming. (laughs) Steaming. Um. So he goes to his friend, uh, Chris Fig, who zero experience also, but for some reason is like, I can produce a movie. <laughs> um, and so Clive's like, what's the least I could spend and expect someone to hire me as a first time director? And he's like, it's got to be under a million dollars or else they're not going to, they're not going to do anything. Um, so like, let's do this. So Hellbound Heart is written in 86 or published in 86. It was actually written kind of specifically to be made into a movie because Clive was kind of like just like throwing, not throwing stuff at the wall, but creating stories that he thought could be made into a movie. So this was purposefully made to be a movie. They didn't know which story it would be, though. Um, So he's thinking under a million dollars. He's like, this is a house, <laughs> some monsters, just get some unknown actors, and we're, we're fucking good to go. So... Um, that, that's what he does. And Roger Corman's company, New World, ends up, uh, funding it for just under a million dollars, 900,000. Exactly. And Roger's big idea is like, this is going straight to fucking video. (laughs) (laughs) That is until they see the cuts and they're like, holy shit. Like, what is this? Like, this is fucking crazy. Uh, they end up giving it a worldwide re- or not a worldwide release, but a wide release. And it makes 30, th- dude, I read that it made somebody who said it right. 33 million worldwide. I guess that makes sense. I think it was only 14, 14.6 is what I had 14.6 in the U S I think this website did worldwide. Um, and pinhead is like you mentioned earlier, eight minutes on screen time. Was that it? Eight minutes. Mm-hmm. And he's not even called Pinhead. Uh, he's, they that's not his that. fucking name. They named him that not on his... the set. That's like a behind-the-scenes joke calling him Pinhead. Not his fucking name. In the Hellbound Heart, uh, he's called the Engineer. And that's in the movie, cool. he's just the lead, lead centibite. That's cool. And, and But it quickly became apparent that people fucking love this guy, man. Like, he, people were drawn to this dude, like, instantly. The centibites, they just have, they have this appeal and... At the time, it's the late 80s. Like, the industrial scene is booming. The goth scene is booming. Those guys are icons. They look like they would fit in, like, you know, at your underground rave. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where Clive's inspiration came from, was the S&M clubs in New York City. Club, club 28, specifically. He walked in the Club 28 in New York City and uh, watched people draw blood and pierce each other while while dancing. And he was like, this is, this is something. But all of the reviews were not positive. Roger Ebert called it a bankruptcy of imagination. Fucking Ebert. He gave it a half star. A half he star. He is such a fucking stupid piece of shit. That's what? like. That, <laughs> not RIP. Fuck you. Dude, a bankruptcy of imagination. What is like. What What about this? Have you Arguably ever seen in your life? The most imaginative, <laughs> imaginative movie I've seen. I've never seen it. You've never seen like and like really watching this and you put yourself in like 86. Joe, how did this even get fucking made and released? And, and like you said, he chose this 
because he was like, hey, all I need is a house because it's like a singular setting and yeah. like some no name actors, and I can I can do the rest. And he cre- the Cenobites are like barely described in the book. He created that. How can you say that's not imaginative? It's dude, never seen everything anything about like that. It, dude, everything about it is fucking psychotic and never been seen before. Yes, <laughs> chains just ripping flesh, like, dude. Like. How did this get greenlit? Like that's I, I still like as I was reading it, I like I was like I still don't understand who put money into this because, like 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 the thing was like when New World saw the dailies, they like lost their mind and were super excited and immediately were like I think we got something here. I'd be like, this will play nowhere. Can't show this. <laughs> there's a, there's a spinning like cylinder with flesh nailed to it and dead rats. Like, what are you showing Fucking us? What? Two severed cocks are on that thing, which I never <laughs> noticed before until this time. Two giant fucking dicks are fucking nailed to it. Like what 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 is happening? It's fucking crazy. Um and and and, and can we also say, can we also say and I know this episode's going to go long and I, I apologize. So I, I'm going to try to get through it. How imagine these movies that are released now needing two and a half hours, three fucking hours. Terrifi- How long was Terrifier? Three hours? Yeah, Terrifier two? Yeah. It's fucking yeah. psychotic. Hellraiser does it in an hour and 30 minutes. And the reason you can make that comparison to anything, I, I don't care what horror movie you pick, that's, that's fucking great. I think I'm going to put Hellraiser above it because it's an hour and a half. And it's fucking serious. It takes itself seriously. There is not a fucking gag in it. There is not a fucking like moment of brevity in this that makes you be like, oh, it's whatever. It's dark. It's fucking dark and heavy. And they do it in an hour and 30 minutes. And that's fucking impressive. Multiple storylines that just are cohesive. They you understand what's happening and you understand like each person's plight. Like you understand what's happening. You understand what's happening, and it also makes no fucking sense whatsoever. But you're <laughs> you're fucking fine with it. Wait, like, wait till part two. I think part two is a great sequel. Part two makes so little sense; it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. Uh, you did mention uh, the cast. There is one guy that uh, was pretty famous. Old Larry, uh, Andrew Robinson, Dirty, yeah. Dirty Harry, famous for Dirty Harry, Zodiac Killer. Uh, influenced yeah i don't know what and, i'm saying he, he was influenced by the zodiac killer in that and and he's so iconic in that role that like people mimicked him for every crime movie to come for like the next decade yeah and, and he's he's fucking great man and he was he was like so happy to take this role because he got to finally play a fucking good guy he was like dude i did not think typecasting yeah. was like a real thing until Dirty Harry, and then he's like, I literally was never offered like a hero role, a good guy role. He was like, they would only hire me for being a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, yeah. Which is fucking great. Now, I can't uh, call Larry a hero in this. Uh, nice guy, yes, but he is the biggest fucking schmuck. And he plays oh, okay, that so yeah, perfectly. No, he's a fucking, he's, he, this guy's cucked out, brother. He's so cucked out. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate cock, if you will. <laughs> I would say the king of cucks. Uh, He's always just like, well, golly gee, how come you? <laughs> I don't. I think if he found his brother fucking his wife, I'm not sure 
he'd he'd be like, "Well, I'll leave you guys to it." Dude, there would there would be like, it would it, yes yes. I don't think he would say I'll leave you to it, but he'd just be like, "I just can't believe you would do this such a thing," and then just mope about it. Yeah. Um, also, as uh, you know, the book was titled Hellbound Heart, so that's what they originally wanted to call the movie. Uh, but the studio was like, people will think it's a love mo- story. Fun fact, it actually fucking is, kind of. Um, it, uh, it, def- it most definitely is. This is a movie about passion, about love, about... It's actually a fucking pretty deep fucking movie. Uh, Did you get Cl- and- what Clive wanted to call it after the... <laughs> Dude, that's what I was leading up to. So, so the studio was like, don't... No, Hellbound Heart, we can't do. It sounds like a love story. Can you give us another fucking movie title? And Joe, what was that title? <laughs> Sadomasochist. From Beyond the Grave. That is so much better. Listen, Hellraiser's cool and all, but that would have been so much fucking better. Now, the story goes, he gave that title, and the studio was like, absolutely fucking not. Uh, Find something else to name it. And then the story says he just asked everyone on the set for a title, and some 60-year-old woman gave the name Hellraiser. (laughs) Gave the name Hellraiser. Six-year-old woman first said, I would call this what a woman would do for a good fuck. <laughs> I was like, whoa, hey, I guess that makes sense. And then they settled on Hellraiser. <laughs> See, so I kind of think that story, I think that story might be true, but I think, here's what I think happened. And I don't know why Clive would lie about it, so it's probably just my imagination running wild. But um, to me, it sounds like he gave the studio, like he knew the name, he wanted to use the name Hellraiser, it's a pretty intense name for a fucking movie in 86, right? Uh, or 87? 87, sorry. Right? It was 87, the movie, yeah. Yeah, sorry. Um, so Hellraiser is a pretty intense fucking name for a movie. I think he went in knowing he wanted Hellraiser, but was like, because there's no way Clive sat there with a straight face and said sadomasochist from beyond I the think grave. he did. Dude, I think that's really his number one. And number two was Hellraiser. And he was like, look, I'm getting one of these two. I'll leave with sadomasochist from hell. And then they'll be like, okay, Hellraiser is fine. Oh, man, that's fucking amazing. Um, Doug, of course, and famously didn't want to play Pinhead. Because uh, his face wouldn't be on screen. And as a brand new actor, he felt like he needed, everyone needed to see his face. And he, I love him because like, again, like I'm falling in love with a lot of these guys for like, not the, not Clive, not the first time, but like Doug for the first time. Like I, I didn't care. Yeah. I know you're never Doug. too big on Yeah. Cause we always see him like, at well, the cons and he's never smiling. <laughs> he's a <laughs> fucking... he seems like a great guy. He seems like a great guy. Now I, now I get it. Now he's just, he's British, man. That's all there is to That's it. it. Sorry for our, for our British <laughs> listeners, but uh, it's fucking true. Uh, he's, he's, you know, he's British. And um, I just, I, I think he's fucking, I think he's fucking great. And and he was like, in interviews, he's like, it would have been the biggest mistake of my fucking life. Like, he's like, thank God that that did not happen. Um, eight minutes of screen time and then getting a lifetime role from that like lifetime and What's no one deal? thought pinhead pinhead was not like a marketing thing pinhead was not like we're gonna develop this character that we're gonna sell fucking masks of that we're gonna make a sequel of he was an afterthought man like he was not the center of the fucking movie 
or ever thought that they would even in part two like he has a little more screen time but at no point in time is the movie i mean i know the opening scene and we'll talk about it but at no point in time is he like the main character of that movie so it's not till part three until it really starts focusing on this this villain that everybody likes and and actually uh butterball well the butterball cenobite he was supposed to be the fucking main lead uh designed design wise right like Fuck thought of that I, dude fucking insane uh fucking crazy so so it sounds like they had the characters based on the hellbound heart and then they made these costume designs and i think the leader was originally supposed to be butterball um but once they started making the costume it was fucking it was like that tim robinson gag where he's got too much shit on him and like, I got too much shit on me. Uh, Butterball could not open his fucking mouth. <laughs> so they were like, oh, all right, let's have fucking Doug uh, do the do the talking. And that's that's how he becomes fucking pin. Well, that's- he would have been pinhead anyway, but that's how pinhead gets his talking portions. Um, he says, most of my decisions about playing pinhead were made there and then. I had a sense of power of majesty, of a kind of beauty. His threat is implied. Look what I did to myself. Now imagine what I can do to you. I think that is the fucking deepest, darkest shit (laughs) I've ever fucking heard. Like, that's fucking crazy. And it's true, man. Like, Pinhead, like, commands when he's on screen in these two movies. Doug's voice Scary like, man, it, it is so commanding and you hang on to every word he says. And I think that's why every, I mean, the lines are great, but every line he delivers is almost iconic and quotable. As soon as he says, it is. Like, Oh shit. Like that is yeah. like a horror like, lexicon, right? Yeah. And, and, and when, uh, Cl- when they filmed it, Cl- like Doug would deliver the line and Clive would be like, slow it down and minimize it. And he would do it slow and minimize it. And Clive would be like, fucking take it down more. And he was like, dude, like, what the fuck am I going to do? And then it came out on screen and it was like the most powerful shit because it's just his look. That's all you fucking need. When he says, I'll, we'll tear your soul apart. Oh my God. It's chilling. It's, dude, it's fucking one of the best crazy. delivered lives I've ever heard. And this is like Clive's vision. It, it it works. It translated so well from what he. You can tell this is exactly what he envisioned when he wrote it, and he was able to make it come to life. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Fucking crazy, dude. I fucking love this movie. I I I, I just had such a blast reading about it. All right. So with all of that, we covered Clive. We covered Dougie. Uh. So I think it's time to get into the first movie. You want to cover uh, old, old Claire Higgins? Julia? Claire Higgins. She Julia? Julia? Yes. Oh, what about her? She, first off, I, I love the fact that she gets uh, like less pale and more attractive the more that the killing occurs and as the movie progresses. Yes. And then in part two, she's like a smoke show. She, lo- she looks yeah. great in part two. Yes. Yeah, no, they didn't do her a ton of. Justice the haircut, it's the eighties haircut in that first one, bro. That fucking mullet, the, the slick back <laughs> fucking sides, the fucking Gozer key master Gozer haircut. That shit's funny. Funny that shit you sucks. say that, Sean, because when I was watching part two, I was like, "This is like Ghostbusters oh, on acid." <laughs> yes, 
<laughs> it actually totally is. It totally got is. such a vibe of that when they're in the, when they're in the the hell portal. Uh, and it also has uh, this. Well, both of them have Ashley Lawrence as Kirsty, a great final girl. Uh, if you don't know her from this, you might know her as the love interest of uh, the Geico Gecko from the early two thousand commercials. Remember when she's or, swing- <laughs> remember when she's holding his hand, swinging around. She was also in um, Slipknot. Slip yeah, snuff. Yeah, snuff. Okay, now listen. Listen here. I'm not gonna allude to anything. I mean, I am. I'm gonna allude to everything here. Corey's a big horror fan, right? Yes. Um, Kirsty is fucking hot as fuck. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'd put her in my what? fucking music video too. Would you not? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I Imagine the people. I'm a little confused. <laughs> I'm just saying. I think Corey probably fucking. You know. oh. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> not to allude to anything, but <laughs> it's like I think that sounds like uh, that's what I would fucking do. Um. All right. So. Number one kicks off with a fucking dude. It's just like fucking iconic line after iconic line in this fucking movie from a guy that's never made a fucking movie in his life ever. <laughs> oh, I'm, What's I'm your so pleasure, sorry, Mr. Cotton. I'm so sorry because oh. you get into the, the opening line, but I do want to point out I love the fact that uh, Sean Chapman plays Frank, the brother Frank, the piece of shit brother. Uh, yes. Two uh, two things I want to point out. One, he is very British, but this movie takes place in New York City, so they overdubbed almost all of his lines, almost all of them. And uh, Oliver Smith plays skinless Frank in Frank the Monster. So yeah. he's not even like Sean Chapman also has a great, great role. And so does Oliver Smith. They're, they're playing the same guy, but at different times. And they both get to come back for the sequel. It's amazing. Fucking nuts. And did, uh, you know what's crazy was when I was watching this, <clears throat> I was overthinking it. And I was like, how do you think they did like skinless frank like because like otherwise he's the same size yeah no they got two different actors smart that's fucking genius i dude i wouldn't have wasted the fucking time no one would have except clive barker who was like he's got to be skinnier because he's people got no fucking skin (laughs) (laughs) like what the fuck are we talking about and they chose him because they chose oliver smith because he was the skinniest guy like around the set so like hey you you you're gonna be this one and also is Fucking Again, nuts. this was less than a million dollars. Some of the greatest gore and outfits I have ever seen, like to this day, for practical. Oh yeah, uh, practical effects. And uh, just one last before I interrupt Sean again, one last uh, trivia tidbit for yeah. the movie buffs: filmed in the same studio as all the early James Bond films. There you go, Pinewood Studios. What was filmed in a studio? This is uh, that's where this the set all was. filmed in one house. They they did shots at uh, Pinewood Studios, so it's the oh. same with the second one. Okay, okay. There's scenes, the second there's one scenes, definitely. Yeah, there's there's scenes outside of the the house. They the cast said like they went to the fucking house and they were like, "This house is fucking disgusting." So what you see in this fucking house that looks awful and scary, they were like, "Yeah, no, we thought the same fucking thing. <laughs> like, this was a fucking nightmare." I don't I don't know if they had to go all out in decorating it. So. <laughs> Uh, so movie opens with that iconic line. What's your pleasure, Mr. Cotton? Um, Dirtiest fingernails I've ever seen, by the way. That was so fucking gross. That was just so unnecessary. <laughs> it was so fucking gross. <laughs> um, 
dirtiest fingernails in the game. Cotton appears to be in a, a foreign land uh, looking to purchase a box, which he does get. Um, this boy starts fucking around with this box. Lights start turning on and we see hooks fly out of the walls, rip them to shreds. Um, the house is left in shambles. There's rotten food all over the house. Um, and suddenly we go back up to the attic and there's just fucking body parts. You don't see what happens to uh, who will turn out to be Frank Cotton. Uh, we, you don't see what happens to him yet. Uh, but there's just fucking the one thing in these movies that honestly like makes me like, I don't want to say it makes me queasy, but it, like me, like sun settling is like the blood is never just blood. It's like blood and fucking like there's shit in it. Dude, it's just there's pure sh- core. Yeah, chunks. Dude, it's fuck yeah. chunks in every setting. It's fucking vile. So the floor is just covered in this shit. And then there's these giant pillars. There's chains everywhere. The pillars, like Joe mentioned, have fucking <laughs> mice fucking nailed to him, body parts nailed to him. Which, by the way, he uh, had to go to court and prove that he didn't actually nail mice. He had to bring the mechanical really? mice. Yep. He had to do their old Ruggiero Diodato, rest in peace, uh, and prove that he did not actually harm mice. I'm glad people are like worried about that. There's probably fucking other things you could have been fucking worried about. I mean, about. the flesh being ripped. <laughs> That guy was like for sure murdered. There, there was an accident involving hooks in the second one, which we'll, we'll get to. But uh, you know, fucking they they fucked some people up. Uh, and the floor is just covered in fucking blood. Uh, and we see our Cenobites digging through this mess uh, and reconstructing Cotton's face like a fucking puzzle. Yes. Pinhead picks up the box, restores it to its original state. And suddenly, and by the way, the box, I'm going to call it a puzzle box. I'm going to call it a million things other than the lament Lament. configuration. The lament configuration. Great name. I fucking love that name for it. I'm not going to say it every single fucking time. Uh, So. Can I just say that this this lament configuration is supposed to be like impossible to open. That's what we're learning from this first scene. Like it's, it's very difficult uh, those who have it are probably not going to open it, and those who open it are going to experience you know, sensations from beyond this world. Literally, every single person that comes in contact with this box in every movie in every movie in the series opens it immediately. I've never seen people struggle less. Dude, yeah. I couldn't solve a Rubik's cube as fast as these people solve a lament configuration. It's supposed to be like one of the most impossible things in the world to to get going. These fucking Joe, I have the same exact fucking note because especially in the second one, they actually make a, they actually make a real effort to tell you it's like, hey, you need a puzzle master to fuck with the lament configuration. Like, like you need a fucking puzzle expert. Uh, you don't. Old twelve year old Tiffany. Fucking cursed. By, by the way, all, all they do is spin the top and then the buttons come out and you push it down. They all do. By the way, sometimes it just does it on its own. Like fucking, fucking. I, in the second one, fucking Tiffany fucking opens it, and it comes up, and then just turns around and goes back in on itself. And I was like, "What the fuck? This thing does the work for you." Fucking old Pinhead's like, "Oh, <laughs> you figured out my puzzle." Also, that's another thing I want to say. I know we'll talk about it more. Uh, Cenobites, they're they're as we find out here, angels to some, demons to others. Or I might have said that backwards. 
they're the easiest group of creatures to bamboozle and talk your way out of. They're coming from like a hell, right? They're coming from an, another dimension and they are ulterior beings with powers. And every time they're like, we're going to rip you piece by piece. And every time Chris Kersey is just like, but wait, what, what about this? And they always listen. They're like, hmm, maybe, maybe we'll let you do that. And everyone always escapes from them. Frank escapes. Kersey escapes. <laughs> well, Julia escapes. It's like, the, it's like the funniest shit. It's the funniest shit. Cause it's true. Kirstie's always like, oh, but what if, <laughs> what if? And they're all, like, all the Cenobites are like, this better not be another trick. You guys are fucking Cenobites. You have powers. <laughs> all knowing. Of course it's a Just trick. Just rip what them doing? apart. What does it matter? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Oh my God. Um, Pinhead gets the box, restores it, <laughs> and suddenly the house is totally clear. There's nothing there. Uh, we're then introduced to Larry and Julia Cotton. Uh, this is Larry's second wife. Um, and Larry is Frank's brother. And they've decided to move into this house. Uh, it's a family-owned house. The the grandmother, somebody owned it, died. Um, and Frank, he knows, has been living out of it. And Larry's not too fond of Frank because Frank is a fucking deadbeat he fucking, he's a criminal. Uh, he, he's a bad dude, man. He's not a good fucking guy. And so Larry, a lot of times is like, fucking Frank was probably squatting here. That's why it's a fucking mess. Um, and he, by the way, he's right. By the he's way. 100% not, right. He's not incorrect. <laughs> and also, by the way, I did write this down. I, I should have said it when you mentioned about the, the set location. The location is 187 Dallas Hill Lane in London, and it was empty and being put up for sale because there was a suicide that had occurred in the house. And Clive saw that and was like, Hey, I'll uh, like take this off your hands for a bit and just film a movie here, which is pretty fitting for the movie. Hellraiser. Like, it's oh, so for sure. dark and like grim. Oh, you can feel it in that too, man. It's like not good. Um, So they, they go to clean up the house. You got some maggots and Funkin' Frank's <laughs> insane sex photographs, <laughs> which Okay, and, but here's the weird part: Julia, Julia takes them, which you know you thought there you thought that would be like a let's see what's going to happen here. We cut right to a flashback of uh, Frank just fucking the shit out of uh, showing Julia. up in the rain, just be like, "Hey, I'm here for the wedding," and fucking his brother's fiance on top of her wedding dress, on top of her wedding dress. In the fucking bedroom. Holy moly, that was wild. What a way to kick off a fucking movie. Um, and Julia, uh, you know, this is not a one-time, f- well, it is a one-time fling, but for Julia, she's in fucking love. She loves it. She is in love. She's like, I'll do anything you want. Which I know, Frank's like, I know you said there's no. like no humor in this, but now thinking about it, like that's so fucking funny because she's in love with this renegade badass like James Dean and has to wake up every day to this bumbling idiot just goes, oh, this happen. <laughs> uh, Julia's willing to do anything, but Frank, you know, he's in search of something way crazier uh, than fucking his brother's wife. We're then yeah. introduced to Kirsty. Daughter of Larry. Uh, never seen a fucking adult woman. So excited to have her own bedroom. But here we are. She's thrilled. 
she keeps mentioning it. She mentions it three times in this scene. Um, that she gets her own well, place. Yeah, like immediately. She's like actually never in the house. She just like shows up and when all this shit happens. Um, Larry goes to the attic where Julia is, and Larry cuts his hand. Uh, and like as we mentioned, Larry won't even look at it. He's like, he oh, I, can't even, yeah. I can't even look at it. He will faint. Which yeah. like in this moment, in this very brief moment, you're like. I get it, Julia. <laughs> Dude, I know. I know. What he, he's he's making such a big deal out of it. Which I know people are like that. Like I know people don't like the sign of blood, but right. this guy's a fucking no. man. Compared to his yeah, brother, no. badass Dude, renegade. Dude, it, like honestly, in this moment, there's not a single other point where I'm like, Yes, Julia, you made a right decision. Or yeah, Frank, Frank is a good choice. That's never gone through my mind, except in this one scene where I was like, Oh, I, like I honestly cringed and I was like, I get it. Like I fucking I would have fucked Frank too. I would have just had to like just get it out of your fucking system. Uh, but Larry's just spilling blood everywhere from his fucking hand. It's most blood I've ever seen. Uh, and it gets absorbed into the wood. It goes down and somehow uh, powers a little heart that's like in the fucking floorboards, uh, creating a fucking horrifying little zombie skeleton thing. Again, this budget if for a filmmaker who's never made a film, it's pretty damn good. Dude, I listened to an interview with the people that did special effects. They're like, oh, it was simple. It's just like melted wax and we pulled wires out of it. And I was like, that's not what fucking happened. Like, look at that. That looks so fucking good. Yeah. This looks better than two. There's there's things in two that look like shit compared to one. Like this looks I don't know better. how they pulled it off. It's Everything is gross to look at. Everything's stomach-turning to look at. And yeah, some of the effects with like the skeletons, and especially at the end, that last scene, <laughs> they don't age well, but you can still appreciate it. They, they look good yeah. for what they had. Absolutely. Well, while that's going on, they're having a dinner party. Julia, not feeling it. She's not feeling Larry very much. Uh, goes upstairs and finds fucking Frank the Zombie. With no legs. He's a torso and a head. And he's like, I need your fucking help. And Julia's like, anything for you, Frank, who, again, is a torso. A, a, a bloody pulp of a torso. And he's always just like, don't look at me. How could anyone not look at you? Fucking freak. <laughs> that help that he requests is actually for Julia to lure men into her home so Frank can eat them. Now, it's not like truly eating. It's this like soul sucking with his fingers, um, but it's still up- upsetting. It's very upsetting to watch. Uh, <laughs> it's not fun. And uh, again, Julia is killing these people. Ju- Julia is, well, Julia and Frank t- together are the real villains of this story. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They are. I mean, most of the story, as we said, uh, Pinhead's only on it for eight minutes. It's them murdering people. She's luring people back, hitting them in the head with hammers, yeah. so Frank can Frank can devour them. Dude, that first murder she has with the fucking hammers, fucking sickening. His fucking thud. teeth are fucked. Up. It's all fucked up, man. I, I hate it. And dude, uh, those actors that are playing those guys are doing it so well because every time. Yeah, you like feel their pain because they realize what's happened. Yes. Like, they get there and they just want to like they feel like they're gonna have sex 
or hook up with this lady. And they're like, oh shit, like something's wrong. This lady's gonna yeah. kill me. And like, there's always that panic, and they do a great job conveying that. Yeah, but they still go into the fucking attic, which is fucking crazy Listen, because <laughs> you've been horned up before, you know. <laughs> Yeah, like maybe this isn't Listen. a good. There's that meme that's like I've gone. My dick has led me to places that I wouldn't even go with. The gun. It's true. <laughs> yeah. It's it is. It is. You're already it there. Is that attic is fucking gross. But I I do agree that that I I agree. I probably end up there because I'd be like, oh yeah, we won't leave a trace. She doesn't want to fuck in her husband's bed. I get it. That makes sense. We'll fuck in the attic. Yeah, she could have at least thrown a fucking. In hindsight, down, you'd though. be like, I don't know why I did that, but you would definitely do it. <laughs> Listen, yeah, we we all the reason the fact that we're still alive is just fucking alarming. Um, uh, so she starts bludgeoning dudes with hammers. Um, the first time, very remorseful. Uh, and Frank is like, "Turn around so I can eat him." Uh, <laughs> I said, "Don't look." Yeah, and, and like you don't see it, but you see enough that's like it's it's almost like so unnatural that like it fucking like it creeps you the fuck out when he like because he like crawls over on his fucking little arms yeah. and you're like oh shit, um, and then the first oh and then she reenters after that first guy and she sees this you we get to see him after and he's skinless he's got fucking he's like got this like what would you even call that like a ghoulish face like a fucking twisted yeah, mangled face oh it's fucking crazy it's horrific um and she's just like jesus christ uh that doesn't last long because the next guy she kills she's just like filing her nails outside while frank yeah, fucking she's over it got <laughs> came to terms with this whole situation really very fucking quickly. fast <laughs> really fucking fast can we go back to that uh, dinner scene for a second because julia yeah. you know she laughs because she wasn't feeling it kirsty have you ever seen anyone get more horned up over a shitty cigarette trick in your entire life that guy just he it's first off it's, i mean people you've seen people do it as an old party trick but like yes his is so small and he flips the lit end into his mouth and flips it back out Kurt, this girl is fucking soaked. She is she is so turned on by this guy's cigarette trick. It's unbelievable. Uh, yeah, no, easily easily impressible. I, I, I guess everyone in this fucking movie is kind of like that, but Kirsty especially. Gonna hang around like, fucking Larry all day. No one. <laughs> that that makes sense. That adds up. That adds up. This guy's such a bad boy. Um. Yeah. So, Larry or uh, Frank is like, it's making me whole again. He now has some legs. He's got some bones, still skinless, and he's like, I need like one, maybe two more of these fucking guys. <laughs> and she's like, okay, which is insane. Uh, of course, Larry comes home while this is happening, so it's a little bit of a little little almost a almost catches them in the act. Uh, and he knocks on the door and says, what a cookie little girl. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, and I don't think he does either. And she's like, no. And he's like, okay. <laughs> so that's fucking end of scene. Um, while this is going down though, Kirsty is being followed by some fucking weirdo, a vagrant of sorts. Yeah. Um, 
We also see her working at a pet store doing a terrible job, just screaming at someone. Well, that's because the only pet they have in there are fucking 8,000 birds. So she's got to fucking scream over them, squawking. This lady's like, what? And she says, so she just screams. I hate that scene so much. Fucking gave me a fucking headache. Anyway, all this. Well, I, I, was, really- I was hoping the book would explain the scene a little more because this man that you said that was following oh, her yes. comes into the store. It just eats a bunch of crickets like in front of her. It's just shoving them in the, in the mouth and eating them. While she's like, "What the hell are you doing? Get the hell out of here!" That has—I mean—that does nothing to the plot. No, no there's no mention no. of that it, in the book. I think I, either that guy just walked in there and did that, or Clive. <laughs> I mean, it was the late '80s in New York City that he was getting his inspiration from. He's probably probably was just a thing that he saw. Yeah. I was like, I guess that's what Americans do. <laughs> That makes a lot more sense. And and yeah, like you said, it do, it it doesn't add anything to the story. When she's like, leave, he's like, he, he fucking leaves. So. <laughs> no, no, no harm, no we got to make people think this takes place in America. Let's just have some fucking <laughs> disgusting freak start eating bugs. <laughs> Which accurate. Uh, Julia murders another dude, this time again, way less sympathetic. Um and uh, this is when she turns into fucking Gozar with the slick back mullet. Watching boxing. The fucking laid out on a couch. Like one of those fucking chays that like models lay on. While Larry's fucking shadow boxing. Watching real boxing happening. And uh, it's way too long of a scene for <laughs> this. And he's like, well, I thought you didn't like boxing. She's like, I've seen worse. I'd be like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Since when? What are you saying? Uh, and while this is going on, Frank is now wearing fucking clothes, which a bit too fucking early because you're still just f- fucking blood. You're covered in blood. Um, But this gives us Frank to uh, tell us about the cube. And he gives us a little more insight into the, 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 the lament configuration explaining he had seen it all done it all um and he fucking lusted for more plain and pleasure indivisible uh and frank is a fucking bloody fucking pulp of a corpse as you said and uh he appears to have zero regrets about the lament configuration like it's not like he's like it's a fucking nightmare He's like, oh, God, what a fucking ride. <laughs> like, he was like, they tore me to fucking shreds. Like, he's almost excited rehashing this story. Which is weird because he's escaped. Like, he Correct. wants to be back whole again. He doesn't want to be back. Correct. But, he, yeah, yeah. But aren't they, like, I feel like they're done with him. I don't. He escaped. Oh, yeah, I guess. No, he escaped. Because that's, that's what uh, Kirsty bribes the Cenobites with. Because they're like. The box you opened. Right. We came. We're gonna fucking murder you. Like, but wait, I have something you want. Like, yeah. She keeps and, using and, on them. Hey, ladies, this this is not marriage material. Don't 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 look for a guy like this. Somebody that needs a fucking pleasure box. <laughs> <laughs> Unearth all of his fucking wildest dreams. And, but then they start talking about the Cenobites like they're people, and like Julia's like. They'll never find us in the whole wide world. And Frank's like, yeah, you're totally right. It's like, what? Wait, what? 
<laughs> Frank, I think you're misleading her about what these creatures are <laughs> and that they appear to travel space and time. So. Well, he definitely is, and that is why she is fucking big mad in part two. Like they, <laughs> yeah. She has a reunion with Frank, and uh, mm-hmm. he is none too pleased, despite yeah. the whole first movie lusting for him. Yeah. So Frank's stomping around upstairs. This leads Larry to go to stomping. When I say stomping, this motherfucker, he's like, no one could find out about me. And then he's just bomb, 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 rolling around, stomping yeah. around, punching the fucking walls. Like, what the fuck is happening? Fucking Larry's like, what the fuck was that? He does this in the book. And in the book, he's just like, I had to see the sunrise. Or I forget what he says. You could have done that a little quieter, idiot. Oh my god! Um, Yeah. So Julie tries to fuck Larry to get this to get him away from the attic, uh, and when he does that, Frank comes in to kill Larry on top of her. She starts crying, and then Larry's like, "Jesus fucking Christ! I don't know what to make of you." Um, Which. Not the most polite thing, but also you were almost murdered. So it was a fair reaction. All this guy wants is to have sex because because that's where like they're moving in there. Right? True. They're trying that's to rekindle the romance, and right. he's like, "Why do you hate?" Me? He says that at some point. He's like, "Why do you hate me?" It's like you want nothing to do with me. And now she's finally like, "Fuck me!" Like, take me in the bed. But she's saving him, and she just starts crying. It's like I can't do this. I'd be like, "Yeah, this is yeah." You're you're right, and it, and it really is actually like this is actually their last effort. This is their last ditch effort to make this marriage work. Um, and Larry Larry tells that to Kirsty. They go out to dinner. They kind of have that conversation and he kind of reveals that like Julie's been home and won't leave the fucking house. So Julie goes to go or uh, sorry, Kirsty goes to go check out the house and checks and finds Julia bringing men home. Yes. She thinks it's an affair. Of course. Imagine her first thought was just like, I bet there's a fucking, my soul, my skinless, the corpse of my skinless uncle has been reanimated upstairs. There's probably movies that have done that. Um, We probably covered them. I just don't remember. Um, Yeah. And that's what happens. Julie or Kirsty goes upstairs to see what's going on. This fucking poor sap that Julia brought home falls through the door, fucking deader than a doornail. but Kirsty goes to reach out for him. And then fucking Frank, Uncle Frank fucking flies out and is like, hey, Kirsty. <laughs> this guy sucks. At dude, he's, he's, dude, he sucks at hiding and like have some self-awareness because he's aware, right? He's aware what he looks like. He, he keeps yeah. telling Julia not to look at him. And now he's just like, look at me. It's your uncle. You don't recognize your old Uncle Frank. <laughs> look how you've grown. <laughs> He put on like a fucking pair of slacks and a dress shirt and suddenly thinks he's fucking <laughs> vision from fucking <laughs> Marvel. <laughs> like, no, bro, you're fucking a corpse. You're a fucking bloody corpse. No one's okay with this. Uh it's fucking crazy. Uh and and Frank uh might want to fuck Kirsty. And by might, for sure. He wants, wants to fuck Kirsty. He wants to fuck Kirsty. Uh and yeah, yeah, that's fucking nuts. And Uncle Frank even says, come to daddy to her, which will come into play a little bit later. But luckily, uh, apparently his balls had you know, regenerated because she needs him right in it and fucking <laughs> doubles him over. 
which he says he he had mentioned earlier his nerves are starting to work so that's why that happens um frank and kirsty have a little bit of a fight but frank kirsty grabs the lament configuration throws it out the window runs away grabs it outside and frank is just beside himself uh, this is a great scene because because frank's like you can't right before she throws it out she's like you can't do anything to me like look at me i'm fucking I've already died. Like, what can you possibly do to me? And then when yeah. she picks up the box, because she's looking for a weapon to hit him with, the way that the actor conveys, like, he's like, oh, fuck, like, put that down. And, and then he yeah. says it, but he's selling it with his eyes. And then Chrissy's like, oh, shit, this is important to him. That's actually a good point. Like, Frank's acting there is actually probably the, the best. Skinless Frank's acting there is probably the best. Because, like like you said, it, it is. It's a very good, like... This guy's been like a fucking ham the whole time and just been like, let's fucking party. Let me eat people. And suddenly he's like, hey, everyone just fucking relax. <laughs> like everyone, let's just take it down a notch. <laughs> like It's the only time he shows like patience and restraint. In the book, he's like, I'm not fucking murder you, you stupid piece of shit. And then she grabs it and then he's like, uh, can you give that back? And she's like, I want you to say please. And he's like, can you please give that back? <laughs> And then she throws it out the window. So it makes sense in here, too. He's like, uh, for some reason, it makes him way more conserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As she goes to a hospital, uh, or, well, actually, I shouldn't say that. She finds herself at a hospital with no recollection of how she ended up there. Uh, the doctor pulls out the puzzle box and is like, the cops want to fucking talk to you. So you better figure out this puzzle box real fucking fast. Uh, well, Christy fucks around and is about to find out. Because she opens up that goddamn lament configuration again, just by touching it. Basically, you just you fucking graze this fucking thing and it fucking flies open. Um, and the hospital splits open, revealing hell. I guess. I guess it's hell, right? It's, also, Bowser's castle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, part two explains a little bit more that it's like yes. personal hell. It's not like hell yeah. in the, the Christian sense, but. It's- which I like, which I like. I think that I think that makes a lot of sense. And ah, fuck, I guess I'll save it till two. Um, she goes down this hall uh, that, that that appears, uh, and she's greeted by this fucking scorpion ass lantern fish. What do they call that? Lantern fish ass fucking monster. Angler. It's fucking insane. Oh my god, it's fucking nuts. It chases her down the hall um, until she makes it back to the hospital, and the wall suddenly seals. She's like smacking the box, trying to figure out some stuff. Nothing's happening. Um, hospital starts smoking, and we are introduced again to our Cenobites, but this time a little more personal. Personal. Yeah. A little more personal. Uh, chattering Cenobite shows up. He's terrifying. Yep. Uh, I hate that. He's got the um, and- things in his mouth, pulling his mouth open. Yeah, and, and he sticks his two fingers in fucking Kirsty's fucking mouth at, for this whole scene and and I don't know how that was allowed to do to an actress, but it was, uh, I I hated it. Um, and then we see pinhead of course, and butterball, uh, pinhead gives a dope ass dialogue, has a dope ass dialogue, um, of who the Cenobites are. These like travelers of experiences. It's, it's never like we're demons from hell and we're here to like, fuck you. And, tear you apart it's like this like very like over the top theatrical explanation of what they do yeah. um 
Yeah. And not very clear either. And it, but, and, and uh, it, it differs from person to person. Cause that's why he says like, like it, it's whatever you like, however big a piece of shit you are, you'll have a different experience than others. Yeah. Yep. And then Kirsty's crying and he says, no tears, please. It's a waste of good suffering. All of it. Everything it's he says here is psychotic. All of it. Yeah. <laughs> psychotic. Um, let me ask you a question. Let me, let me ask you a question. If you had a lament configuration, yes. Would you rather it open and reveal the Cenobites as is or an eternity with Paul alphabetizing his criterion collection? Uh, I'd probably take the Cenobites because Frank, <laughs> Frank seems pretty happy with the service he was provided. Frank, Frank's, Frank's not complaining. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> No complaints from Frank. Actually, everyone that goes in there is kind of like, hey, man, I wish I did this fucking sooner. <laughs> fucking in part two, the fucking doctor's like, fuck, what took me so long? <laughs> well, I mean, that doctor's a fucking idiot. That doctor's a fucking menace. Um, <laughs> it's fucking it kills, nuts. Kills all the satellites. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kirsty has the foresight to be like, hey, you know that motherfucker Frank Cotton, right? And they're like, yeah, so? That's <laughs> what I said. They're, they're like two I, inches, they're like two I seconds love- from destroying her. And the, the female Cenobite who has a vagina on her, her neck, like, you know, um, she, because she doesn't have a name. She's just called female. She's female Cenobite. Yep. Um, she's like, stop talking. We're going to kill you. Like, the, the time is now. And Chrissy is like, "Hey, remember this guy? I can get him to you." And then I think Pinhead's even like, "What? Like, why would? Why do we want that?" And she's like, "I don't know. Don't you?" <laughs> and they're like, "Yeah, I think we do. I think we might." But she, I can't wait to talk about part two because she bamboozles him so hard in that one, where she's just like, "Remember this?" It's <laughs> like, "No," and she's like, "Yeah, you do." And then he does remember it. <laughs> What is that fucking saying? Christy can sell a ketchup popsicle to a fucking, I don't know. What's the fucking, how's that saying go? I've never heard that. You've never heard that? A ketchup popsicle? (laughs) Sell a ketchup popsicle. It's like means you could sell anything. He could sell a ketchup popsicle. I don't know what it says. What's your best he could sell it to a, oh, it's from Tommy Boy. He could sell a ketchup popsicle to a woman in white gloves. Um, uh, that's Kirsty, man. She like talks these Cenobites into everything, and it's also she's it's, not wait, that she's not that good at no. I mean, selling. She's not. I, it's also part of their, their low They're IQ, idiots. but uh, <laughs> but also it's so crazy because all the other Cenobites are not in the same headspace as Pinhead because like all of them in one and two are constantly like let's just fucking kill them whether it's yeah. Kirsty or someone else. And Pinhead's like, well, hang on. Let's just fucking let her speak yeah. her fucking piece. Dude, in, Let's in hear two, what she's got. <laughs> and two, the, the female Cenobite comes when Chris, when Kirsty opens the box again. And she's like, finally, like we fucked up last time. Yeah. Now we got you. <laughs> Pinhead's like, well, let's. Let's hear her out for a second. Why don't we just let her explore the tunnels for a bit before we fucking kill her? <laughs> Wait, that is, that's exactly that's what, what it they do. They're like, why don't you just go take well, a look? You're- <laughs> that's so funny. Well, you're <laughs> fucked, but uh, you might as well enjoy the scenery before we get to it. 
<laughs> and the other Cenobites are always like, can we just kill her? And he's like, yeah, I don't know. That seems fucking insane. But <laughs> why would we do something like that? That's crazy. Uh, this, this is a democracy. Let's, let's fucking hear her out. Uh, and Kirsty's like, Kirsty talks them into like getting Frank Cotton, which again, like you mentioned, they're like, like Pinnon's like, who the fuck gives a shit? And then she's like, I don't know. He escaped. And he's like, Oh yeah, it's true. Uh, all right. Well, if you show them to us, you better not be fucking lying. And she's like, I'm not. And he's like, well, we'll tear your soul apart if you're not. And if you do, <laughs> that's, that's, that's where the line will tear your soul apart comes from. Yes, it's kind it of funny in hindsight. Like <laughs> it's this moment of negotiation. You better, like, you better not be pulling my leg. It's better not be a fucking fib, which <laughs> they mention in two. They like reference that they've been like, they've been tricked in the past. Like, like they mention it. Like, He's like, we've been like tricked too many times or something. It's just like a constant thing for these poor fucking Cenobites. Their fucking brains are scrambled out there in hell. It's just too much fucking, man. Too much fucking, too much f- skin pulling. Um. Meanwhile, Julia and Frank are panicking because now somebody knows. Uh, and when Julia was like, shit, she's going to tell him. I was like. How does she know she's going to tell the Cenobites? And then I was like, oh, she's talking about the fucking police. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Christy comes home screaming for her dad, which uh, Julia hears, lets her in. And we see uh, brother, we see Larry, but Larry's not looking so hot. He is very wet and uh, (laughs) like this has like melted skin around his forehead. So (laughs) I think it's everyone that's watching this assumes that Frank has, has taken the light. has taken the skin of uh, his brother, Larry to uh, trick Kirsty or or live his life. Kudos to Andrew Robinson because he's acting like it's such a good job acting because he's acting like himself, but not like himself. Just a little bit off. Well, and, and you know, that's funny because like I mentioned before, like he was like excited to play like a good guy, but you know, in Clyde Barker's head, he's like, this is the fucking baddest motherfucker. He, hopefully he can act good for like fucking 45 minutes. And then he's, then we get to turn him back into a fucking psycho. Like, um, which he does, which he does. Um, Kirsty tells Flary, uh, that Frank is going to kill him. Flary. <laughs> And Flary's like, don't worry, he's fucking dead. I killed him. And Kirsty, thank God, is like, ah, that seems kind of fucking weird. Uh, can I see the fucking body? And he's like, yeah, go fucking look at it. <laughs> Which, like, this is just like not die. Like, dude, Larry is such a Larry's a Larry. Like, you would never, you would immediately know Larry's been fucking abducted. Yes. Uh, but she goes upstairs, clo- and the door closes. Um, and our Cenobites are back and they see the fucking bloody corpse on the ground of the attic, which is actually Larry. And Pinhead goes, we want the man who did this, which isn't like, uh, like, I, I don't know how to explain this. I really like this scene is what I'm trying to say. I guess I just liked that. They knew immediately what the fuck was going on. Like they were like, fucking Frank did this. Like, I'm going to fuck this guy up. Like, 
but Kirsty does not think that yet. She still thinks that that's her fucking dad dead on, or that her dad killed Frank. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so Julie is trying to stop this. Flurry is like, we need to stay here. Why are you fucking running around? Come to daddy. Uh, and it finally hit when he says that it hits Kirsty that this is actually Frank. Yes. So Frank is in the house. Kirsty scratches his face. He gets pissed. He's about to stab Kirsty. But she moves. She moves. And Julia gets got. Stabs her. And wastes zero fucking time absorbing her. <laughs> eats her immediately. <laughs> the fastest he's ever done it. Before you can the fucking before you can pull the knife out, his fucking hands in her fucking throat. She's <laughs> sucking she her has, dry. She's altered her life to bring this disgusting mess of a thing back to human form and he's <laughs> immediately eats her multiple times <laughs> he fucking murders which her. is why is nothing she is pissed in part two yeah nothing personal baby he says uh christy lures frank upstairs uh you, you got a fun little jump scare in there too uh frank thinks he's got her dead to rights though in the attic uh when ah oh, dude this fucking movie fucking rocks we see the same lights from the very beginning of the movie on those like slatted boards that, what do they call those? It's like, it's when you have like, it's, you don't have drywall. It's like that other shit. But anyway, um, we see lights. Yeah. It's like plaster walls. Like that's the backing. Right. And then you see these lights coming through um, like in the beginning of the movie and Outcome are fucking Cenobites, baby. And Frank is so fucking pissed. Like, talk about the acting. I, I and you were it. saying how he turns into a villain here. He's so. This guy, I mean, listen, buddy, you should have been typecast because you're so fucking good <laughs> as a villain. So when he's just like, you set me up, bitch. Like, man, what a, what a line. What a delivery. And again, Pinhead has this weird line. And you know, in the two. I kind of, I, I don't want to say I like bashed it for this in my notes, but like I took a bunch of notes where I was like, Pinhead's an anti-hero in this, in some ways. Um, Part two. And in this, he has glimpses of, of that also, because even here he's like, this isn't for your eyes. Like as if he gives a fuck, right? Like why the fuck would you give a shit? Yeah. Cause he wants to kill her after. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> that's just, yeah, no, I just thought of that. So I fucking take it back. So he, that's just a weird line, but I do like, also it. she still watches it. Doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> she watches the whole fucking thing. It's fucking crazy. Like, dude, like I said, if a guy with pins in your fucking face tells you not to watch something, just fucking don't watch it. It's my fucking idea because what she watches is, Fucking one of the most insane fucking kills ever. Larry's face, for those who haven't seen it, it's very iconic horror shot, but his face is being pulled in every direction by hooks. And the makeup by there, hooks. A plus. Nuts. Nuts. And then he's licking his fucking lips, looking Kirsty dead in the fucking eye, which is fucking nuts. And then he just says, Jesus wept. And then they fucking exploded. <laughs> <laughs> now you know he it improvised just, Jesus wept yeah it was not scripted the original line was supposed to be fuck you and then get ripped apart I like Jesus wept a lot more do you I kind of 
I mean, it's, I, I know it's such a classic line. Fuck you is so funny to be your last word. Fuck, I mean, step, fuck you would be staring at courtesy to your niece. Yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, Kirsty tries to escape, uh, but female Cenobite stops her. Uh, she does find the lament configuration uh, in Julia's skinned and chained Which hands. I, again, these Cenobites, we just watched them. They, they, they can shoot chains and get you from across the room. And Pinhead's like, from Pinhead's in the same room as her, don't touch that. And she's like, slow motion, pressing the button. He's like, Which she has to do every time. Like, she presses it down, and you're like, oh, she figured it out. But she has to, like, go around, like, pressing it in front of each one. And then they're like, Aah! and then they get, like, sucked away. I don't understand that. But, it doesn't uh, take away from it for me, because I think the movie's great. But, like, when you're yeah. dissecting it, just just stop her. You guys have the ability to fucking stop her. Please, <laughs> please don't touch that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she, she finds that box. Pinhead shows up behind her. We have such sights to show you. Uh, and she figures out the box and uh, sends them all away. Don't do that. Go to hell. Uh, I think she sends Pinhead away first, which is like kind of fucking crazy. Right? Like in terms of a franchise, like this guy is iconic and he's the guy that she gets first. He like fucking throw away fucking villain. Uh, the house is literally crumbling. I just thought I, earlier I was complaining about the vagrant, how he serves no purpose, but I just remembered his involvement so yes yeah i mean is he though like what the fuck is the point of that but (laughs) (laughs) cut that all out and the movie doesn't change at all uh the house is crumbling uh but thankfully her boyfriend shows up and uh lets himself into the collapsing home which a great move chatterbox is still in the house she gets him lament configuration thing is uh kind of weird because she's just like zapping each one uh, Butterball almost gets Steve, the boyfriend, uh, but he avoids it. Uh, they think they're done. They open the front door and out comes fucking Scorpion hot dog baby uh, to attack them again. Uh, a character that is like, I feel like no one really fucking talks about at all. And it's kind of like gets as much screen time as fucking Pinhead, uh, which is For crazy. Sure. <laughs> it's fucking nuts. Um uh, and by the way, this scene is great because this thing is in the doorway trying to attack them. They're not moving. And like the monster and Kirsty are having like a fucking like paw game. Like they're just like, sl- dude, Kirsty picks up the thing and it like smacks it out of her fucking hand, but not with like that much force, just like a, a fucking like forced fumble. Like it's just like one of those like weird little taps that like knocks it out of your hand. Uh, I kind of fucking love that. Um, and then I also love that she's trying to figure it out, trying to get this shit closed so she can get rid of this fucking monster. And fucking Steve goes to like be like, "Hey, I can do it." And she's like, "Fuck off." Like, dude, she fucking like elbows him. And is like, "Get the fuck yeah. out of here." Yeah. Which I fucking love because like, bro, you just showed the fuck up. Like, look at what's happening. Get the fuck yes. out of here. Yeah, and that's like a, an ultimate final girl move. Like, she like yes. I I honestly think she's one of the greatest final girls of all time and yes. That's like she doesn't need anybody else. She's got this. Get the fuck fucking, out of here. That fucking dumbass dickhead. Fuck that guy. Cool. Go uh, do your cigarette trick. Show yeah, go, go do your fucking magic tricks. Fucking do it for this fucking scorpion thing. I'll fucking imagine he's like, whoa, what the fuck? What sights? <laughs> what sights, Steve? 
Steve's just in hell doing fucking sleight of hand magic. <laughs> Not even magic, just fucking party tricks. Um, they do send it away though. Um, uh, also, how happy would you have been though to have a fucking witness with you? Because in a lot of these endings, I'm always like, oh man, like you're just the crazy one. Like no one saw it. Yeah. But this one, like a fucking person saw it. And it's like, holy shit. Which is so funny because part two picks up immediately after and they're just, they're just like, oh, don't you worry about Steve. He's fine. And he never shows up again. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't you send worry him about home. Steve. He told us the same thing you did, that cuckoo banana story, but we sent him home. You're going to the fucking loony bin, lady. <laughs> What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> I love that cop for like the three seconds he's in the movie. Um, <laughs> that guy. Hey, uh, wiseacre. Talking, hey. talking to somebody who he acknowledges is like, you've had like a psychotic break and you're, we're going to get you help, like psychiatric help. But then he's immediately like, you fucking psycho loon. Shut the fuck up. Tell the truth. You killed your whole family. Just fess up to it. Uh. Hey, they go outside. They make it outside. Hey, remember that fucking bizarre vagrant? Well, he watches them throw a puzzle box into the fire. He then walks over to it, pulls it out, gets engulfed in flames, and turns into a (laughs) dragon skeleton and uh, flies away. (laughs) And he ends up giving the box back to the same merchant who sold it to Frank in the beginning which yeah you know uh forget about that part if you're going to watch part two immediately after what's your pleasure sir also i think he is the the guy he is the merchant he is the merchant the vagrant is i the think merchant. so because at the end of two he's the one that says what's your pleasure sir hmm. his face is on the obelisk. why why is the box back in two if it's back with him Wait, i'm not there's a lot of boxes there's a lot of boxes there's more than one. Seems ill-advised. I I don't know who came up with that idea. I mean, probably one of these fucking idiot Cenobites who can't fucking keep their fucking <laughs> head on straight. Bunch of fucking morons. Let's just make a ton of them. <laughs> make, dude, dude, this is so funny. I think the theory here is that the Cenobites are like actually like severely low IQ. And like they can't, like, dude, they're I mean, like look the, at Butterbean and Chatterbox, <laughs> dude, they and they're like, they're like, let's make a puzzle that no one can do, and everyone's like, do I press this fucking button? <laughs> Just fucking no. <laughs> we should probably make like ten more because no one will solve it. They're just busy all the time going to all these boxes. Ben's <laughs> probably like, Jesus fucking Christ. Uh, well, so Hellraiser comes out 87, uh, by 1988, uh, Hellbound Hellraiser 2 is released, uh, a little nod to the original title of the story, Hellbound Heart, uh, they included that, just calling it Hellbound Hellraiser 2, um, Big success after the first one. Uh, Doug Bradley was actually on the cover of uh, Time Out magazine here in the States. Um, not not credited. It was like Pinhead. Not even Doug Bradley was on it. And he was like, dude, no one's going to know who the fuck I am. 
he comes to the United States uh, for the first time, actually after this to do like publicity, he does the Fangoria horror convention. There was a fucking line around the block for people waiting to meet Doug, Doug Bradley. And that's when he was like, Oh fuck. Like this is like a real fucking thing. Like this is crazy. Um, and I think still to this day, like he's popping at cons. People are always, always, man. It's really cool. And actually I saw, uh, um, I watched a full thing on the, um, it was a panel of the Cenobites at a monster mania con. And I was like, I probably would have listened to that. That, that was like the coolest one for sure. Um, and I was like, I don't know. These guys are just like, they don't seem to ham it up all that much. You know what I mean? A lot of these people at the cons, like they kind of like over glorify themselves. And these guys are just like, we're so fucking happy that Clive put us in this fucking movie. And like, we got a fucking career out of it. Like they're all just like, it is what it is, man. And it's fucking great. Um, Real quick, before we jump into this, what did you think about this movie? About part two? Generally two. Like in terms of enjoyment or yeah, just like, how do you like it? Do you like it? Do you not like okay, it? So uh, Hellraiser two, oddly enough, I think I've taught, said this on the show before. Uh, this was always what I would put on when I had uh, a girl come back to my place. I would always put Hellbound two. in hindsight, wait, 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 before not a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Cause I thought about that while I was watching this and I was like, what the <laughs> fuck was he doing? And then I couldn't remember what it was you were doing when you put it on. I remembered there was something I was like, what did he say he used to do while this was like playing in the fucking background? Because this is fucking crazy. This is fucking <laughs> nuts. Yeah. No, if I was like, Hey, you want to like hang out? Come over for some drinks. Throw on some hellbound. <laughs> I'd put this on the background. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sorry to interrupt you. All right. Continue. Uh, I think I think it's a really fun movie. <laughs> I, I think when you watch it, like for purposes of doing a show like we did, it makes infinitely less sense than even once thought. Um, but I mean, it gives you the origin of Pinhead, right? It gives you like it. how how he came to be came to look like that uh we get leviathan which i mean some people love that some people don't but i think it's cool that we see you know who they serve and get more of an understanding of their world and the personal hell like i mentioned last time is really the focus of this one how it affects everyone differently and you know i like that the girl tiffany who's like just a pure girl opens the puzzle like you said Pinhead's kind of like an anti-hero. When Tiffany opens the puzzle box, he's just like, "Halt! Like we're not, we don't want to do anything to you. Like you shouldn't have opened this. It's, it's about yeah. Me. Like how the fuck do you? Why did you fucking? Do- yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think he, maybe we should have reference it like <laughs> yeah. He's like he makes a reference and he's like, it's just her hands. Like he says something. It was so hard to hear, but like he's like, it's just her hands. Like she has no desire. Which exactly. I- Exactly. It's it's about people's this is what people want to experience like the next level of to access pleasure yeah. of ecstasy, you know, then they're gonna fuck you. But this girl just opened it and she had no need no like, idea. She, she wanted nothing from it. So he, it's weird that he's just like, Well, we want nothing to do with her. But then but then fucking like Kirsty didn't have any desire. She wanted to survive and they're like, We're gonna fucking murder you. But I think 
Oh yeah, no, I guess you're right. No, you're definitely right. Never mind, I take it back. Right. Yeah, no, that's yeah, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. This one, uh, I mean, the blood in it, like the gore in this, that one scene with the maggots is one of my favorite scenes in horror. Like just no. stomach churning. Um, I, I do think Dr. Chenard is a fucking goof. Goofball. They they jump they jumped the <laughs> they jumped the gun on like let's make a Cenobite. You know what I mean? Like yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. They they jumped the gun. I I like it, but it's it's not. It's like the right. end of uh Batman versus Superman. We're like, hey, we should put Doomsday into this movie. So let's cram the entire storyline into the last ten minutes. I feel like they're like, hey, we should show how a Cenobite is created. Like yeah, a new one that's gonna like be along with so the ones that already making- established. Yeah. Yeah. And they threw it into the last 10 minutes. You're like, Dr. Chenard is the fucking Cenobite. He looks like an idiot. Yeah. I, I, I really like this movie though. I, I like actually, I, I like it a lot. I, I and, and love it. I, I think, dude, I think pinheads fucking entrance in this is like the most like fucking Ric Flair shit of all time. That is like, that is like a fucking surprise entry in the Royal Rumble, motherfucker. That that like the Cenobite show up and then fucking Pinhead just walks out with this fucking backlit light behind him and he just fucking so you're just badass. and you're so fucking pumped to see him again. You're just fucking jacked up. Yeah. I liked it. A lot of people give this a fucking really hard time. And uh I, I don't want to say a lot of people actually, but I imagine there's a lot of people because I found a few YouTube videos that like honestly fucking made my fucking skin crawl and my blood boil. Uh, One was that fucking Joe Blow website that fucking those fucking mutts. Um, They did a what the fuck happened to this movie bit on it, which like. Honestly, the shit you can complain about about this, you can complain about any sequel in horror ever. Ever or any horror movie, it's like, oh, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, no shit. They're fucking Cenobites. What the fuck is a Cenobite? They could actually do whatever they want because they're fucking made up by a guy. Like some guy fucking made them up. They can do whatever the fuck they want. So fucking relax. It reminds me of that like James Cameron thing recently where he's been like, like people are like, Jack should have survived. There's plenty of room. And James Cameron's like, I wrote the fucking movie. He died. Like, what do you want me to tell? Like, there's no science behind it. Like it's a fake. It's a fucking fictional story. And guess what? I I wrote that he died, so he died. Like what uh, Tarantino had a great one about that too, about once upon a time in Hollywood when Brad Pitt's character fights Bruce Lee and he like yeah. knocks him down once, and everyone's like, that would never happen. And Tarantino's like, that guy's not real. He's like, I could have him fight <laughs> Dracula if I wanted to, and that would be okay because it's a movie. So he's like, I had him beat him one time. It's a fucking movie. And I like, yeah, what are we I'm doing? With- what are we doing in this? And like, I know that we're kind of doing it, but like, I think, I think it's a little different. It's like, we're, we're pointing out like, well, when you analyze a movie, like, you know, yeah. Hellbound, Hellraiser 2, uh, to be fair, I like, I love this movie. I think this movie's great. I used to try and get laid while showing people this movie. So I obviously have uh, an affinity towards it. When you're trying to talk about it, not a lot of that ending yeah. makes a lot of fucking sense. And uh, our boy Tony Randall directed this, which we covered <laughs> from Amityville. It's about time. Ticks and Shark and Saw Women in Prison Massacre. And this is, you know, knowing that now, like, yeah, of course he directed this. And this <laughs> right up his fucking alley. This, this is crazy. I agree. I agree completely. There was another YouTube video 
I don't even want to say their name, but I'm going to because it just like I don't even want to give them fucking credit. Yeah, B movie tryhards. That's the name of them. They, that's the name of their fucking thing. I don't know. Uh, they they did a did the thing was called did everything. Wait, did everything wrong with Hellraiser two? Or everything wrong with Hellraiser two is what they called it. Which have you ever watched a Cinema Sin video? Like where they count the sins of a movie. It's fucking awful. That's dog shit too. But anyway, they start doing the cinema sin thing with the cinema sin counters on it. And I was like, wait, is this cinema sin? I thought this was something else. At the beginning of the movie, they're like, yeah, we just stole this from cinema sin. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Dude, if you listen to it, dude, you're fucking, you're fucking, you like, I couldn't watch the whole thing. Like my fucking bones hurt. Dude, watch it after. It's so bad. Like, dude. Their fucking bits are fucking dog shit. I sometimes I wonder like how we're successful and how we have the amount of listeners we have. And then I wa- listen or watch to something like this, and I'm like, oh, this makes perfect fucking sense. Going who in, fuck would listen. <laughs> who fuck would listen to this horse shit? It's fucking insane, dude. The guy's like, hey, uh, and he's trying to be like fucking funny as fuck. He's like, hey, I don't want to be that guy, but uh, I'm pretty. It's the scene where the nails are going into the guy's fucking head to create pinhead. Because I'm pretty sure those are nails, not pins, counted as a fucking sin. Like, as if that's, like, a fucking error in the fucking movie. Hey, motherfucker, it's not even his fucking name. Like, what the fuck are we talking about? Who the fuck gives a shit? <laughs> fucking insane. Call him whatever the fuck. Oh, it's fucking nuts. Nail. Guy fucking cried. Dude, it, the shit he pointed out was unreal. Unfucking real Ah. Oh. Anyway, hey, um, Wait, well, those guys, that, those were the guys I told you I was watching, right? I was like, I was I like, I watched the video. I, I, I can't think of I don't think so. Everyone's got these fucking dumb. Hey, on, on a more positive note, uh, we didn't talk about this guy in the last one, but Christopher Young is back doing the score, the music, and the music for Hellraiser I think is incredibly underrated. Like that score is haunting. It's really good, and he's he's back, and he it's just as good. Also, I thought you were going to be like, on a more positive note, uh, <laughs> this guy's back, and I thought you were going to say, lose, lose the lot. <laughs> <laughs> why, he's back? Why. I was like, he's back? Fuck is no, I don't know. I don't think so, but I was I thought that was the news you were going to break just now. <laughs> why, that, that, <laughs> why did you think that? I don't know. It was like <laughs> the first thing I thought of. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> Same. Um, here's the weird thing though. Ready? I'm ready. This movie underperforms Hellraiser in terms of money, right? Box office. So Hellraiser had a $900,000 budget, as we already talked about, made 14.5 in the States, and that was on 1,100 screens. Mm -hmm. Hellraiser 2 supposedly has a budget of $6 million. That's a lot of fucking money. Uh, and they were on a hundred extra screens, at least at the launch. And they underperform with $12 million box office. So $2 million short of that. Um, and, and again, like almost on 1200 screens. So it, it's a weird discrepancy. And I was like, that seems fucking odd. Like, I don't think that that should have happened. I think Hellraiser got popular, so I don't know why that would happen. So I started like digging around a little bit. Um, I think there's a bunch of reasons why that would happen. 
But one of the interesting things is part one was released September 18th. Perfect. Fall, spooky. And I know for whatever reason, fucking Hollywood's like, you don't release anything in the fall. That's fucking psychotic. But as we've learned, if you release a horror movie in that period, People it's going to make fucking money. Like, yes. it's fucking insane. It's fucking nuts. Anyway, so that obviously cleans up in the fall. Um, and it has a 15-week stay in theaters. So they just take all that fucking fall money into the winter. They're done. Uh, part two is released on December 23rd. Two days before Christmas, who is going to see Hellraiser 2 two days before fucking Christmas? That dude, again. Ill-advised timing. Think about that. Think about that. Like, even you and I, we'd be big fans. We'd probably be clamoring for two. We are not going opening fucking weekend. Like, you're not going. You're just not fucking going. what's the christmas spirit watch somebody's fucking skin get torn off and hellraiser send everyone to hell it's a terrible fucking idea it is a terrible terrible idea um and i think that is honestly the and i think they were like you know the big winter release right winter break release i don't i think it was just an ill-advised i don't think anyone went to go see it because of the time it came out and i think that was a big part of it and I mean, you know, yeah. December or Christmas movies are usually like the big family movies that people yeah. are going to go with with their families. It's not happening for for Hellraiser too, like you're saying. Absolutely not. Uh, I wonder if there were any like Christmas movies that came out at that time. Dude, Scrooge came out. <laughs> Scrooge came out like two weeks before. Dude, oh, they got fucking crushed. Who thought that they should open this? Against this competition. Wait. December box office. Twins. Naked Gun. The first one. Scrooge. Rain Man. Tequila Sunrise. Oliver and Company. Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. The Land Before Time. Child's Play. Yeah. Ernest Saves Christmas. Who Framed Roger Rabbit. All these are December releases. Dude. Uh, they weren't December. They were like some were some are November, some are December. Um, but they were in theaters at this time. Oliver and Company is the first movie I ever saw in theaters. I remember. Is it really? Yeah. You could have been seeing uh, Hellraiser. Hellraiser two. Yeah, I'm gonna fucking yell at my mom tomorrow. <laughs> Dude, like th- those are all. Those are all in the. This is the, the box office for December. They come in. Hellbound comes in fifteenth under all of those movies I listed. Plus Working Girl and My Stepmother is an Alien. And, which year. For some reason, I just and Cocoon the Return. <laughs> uh, I feel like My Stepmother is an Alien. I don't know what this is, but I feel like Tino could probably list oh, every actor. We own movie. it, yeah. <laughs> that seems like sure. right up. That is like she a Tino like. Tino absolutely loves that movie. List every person in it and then all the other movies they've been in. Um, so that's a fucking dude. That's a fucking tough fucking. Why would you release that? That's like you're not gonna fucking. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's stiff competition, dude. Money is spread across all of those things. Like that is nuts, dude. Ernest saves Christmas is out, dude. I'm going to see that. Hell yeah! I can't believe that was in theaters too. Isn't that nuts? Is that? Is yeah, that we say it all. Iconic? I feel like we somehow talk about this all the time, but. I just can't believe those exist, period. <laughs> we talk about Ernest so much. I love Ernest so much. That should be our next serial killer. 
Fi- dude, honestly, I'm fine with it. I'm fine. Everyone's going to be furious when, when we do Ernest Slam Dunk Holes. Slam, <laughs> slam Dunk Ernest. <laughs> um, hey, we got a movie to talk about here. Anyway, yeah. so that's, that, that's, yeah, we're going on. We're about to hit two hours here. So we got to fucking wrap this up. Uh, Tony Randall, this is fucking bad. Uh, but listen, here's my other thing about this. I knew taking these notes, I was like, this one's going to be so fucking big. Like, honestly, one and two, one should have probably been its own. Um, but, like, the rest of them, I feel like, are going to be a lot easier to condense. I think they're going to be, Clive's not involved. I think the backstories are going to be a little less interesting as we get into three, four, five down the line. I, I am wondering how some of these are going to function. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not well versed in any past part three, uh, dude. I don't. All. Dude, I don't know past part two. Period. I, I don't remember a fucking single fucking thing. So, and I think I've seen maybe three, but I everything else I've definitely never seen in my life. Um. Anyway, Clive's handing over the reins. He's no longer going to be directing. He hands it over to Tony Randall, uh, because again, he was getting tired of making movies. He didn't really love it. Um. And Tony Randall worked actually on the first Hellraiser. So he was like, yes. who better to give it to than this fucking moron? Uh, he also loves Tony Randall's thing. And like, this makes me love Clive more. I watched an interview with him and he was like so excited for Tony to be doing this and so excited to hand over the reins. And he's like, he compared it to mythology and he's like, you need other people to like fucking take the reins and like add to it or a different vision or whatever. And, like, that's how mythology's gone, right? Like, mythology's never... It's not the same story that they told in fucking ancient Greece. It's fucking morphed over right. hundreds of years. It's like playing television. He's like, yeah. yeah, and he's like, that's the way fucking storytelling is. So, he's like, so why not give it to somebody else? Would have given it to somebody else. Not Tony Randall. But, <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's, that's where we're fucking at. Not to be confused with, uh, you know, Felix Unger. From, yeah. <laughs> I do confuse him with that. We're the only two people <laughs> in 2022 making that connection. But. Hey, can we talk about? Uh, can we talk about a little bit about uh, the Odd Couple starring Walter Matthau? The, the movie Jack yeah. Levin? It's great, yeah. and the sequel. Dude, so the sequel. So the sequel so, here. I thought it was hilarious, dude. At Cheshire Theater, did you see did, it in Cheshire? Yeah, at Cheshire Theater. So did I. Uh, that was Remember, movie. I opened up my thing of uh, Skittles that I bought, and they spilled all over the floor, and the guy behind me shushed, and I was like, hey, idiot, I fucking, do you think I'm happy? I just spilled all my fucking Skittles over the floor, shushing them, <laughs> dropping them. I remember the screen went out during it, and my mom was like, oh, for Christ's sakes. She's like, this happens every single time. And I was like, oh. Oh, oh the, okay. the screen was a disaster. <laughs> um, so, uh, Clive was super excited to hand it over. Um, again, Tony Randall, we know him from Amityville. He is THS Hall of Fame, baby. Like, that motherfucker, he's a standout. Yeah. He's a standout. For sure. Actually, not, not, not a Hall of Fame you want to be in as a filmmaker. No, no, sure. no, 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 no. <laughs> like, the, like the fucking movies that email, like the fucking, uh, what do they call it? Marketing people that email us being like, you want to cover our movie on your show? I don't think you fucking want that. <laughs> Don't think you've listened. Uh, Ashley Lawrence returns as Kirsty, uh, who is now being hospitalized because of her visions of Cenobites. Uh, originally, there was going to be... Uh, I'll say that. Uh, do, 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 uh, yeah, Claire Higgins Kenneth back Cor- as Julia. Yep. 
Yeah, and uh, Kenneth Cranham uh, taking uh, the lead here as the villain of Dr. Channard. Super well-known British Shakespearean actor coming into the fucking fold, and only because his son was like, I love fucking Hellraiser. (laughs) Your grandson, yeah, yeah. sorry. Um, An alternate script does exist where uh, Larry is in this movie, Um, and there is some, I don't know, back and forth, if you will, I guess, about why Andrew Robinson didn't do it again or what. Andrew Robinson was basically like, I didn't like the idea. Um, I'd be curious to know how he fit in because, like, before I rewatched two, I didn't really have a recollection of what happened. Um, I could see something cool going on with Larry, but I could also understand why he'd be uninterested in doing it. You know, he'd fit in in the underworld part, like Chrissy's right. Hell. Well, and and like she's looking for her dad, right? She could have yeah, brought it, him back. Would make sense, yeah. And if you brought your dad back, would you? Would he be evil or would he be okay? I think he'd be okay because he he was killed in malice. Right? So I think yeah. he, his soul would be all right to save. Yeah. So William Hope's anyway. in it. Kyle McRae. Uh, he's just coming off Aliens. He had like, he had a leading role in Aliens, and now he's in Hellraiser two. Now he's in Hellraiser two in a really weird role. Um, yeah. <laughs> that like I couldn't quite figure out. Um, all right, so let's hop into this. We open uh, with the end of Hellraiser. Um, oh, that was the other thing one of those fucking YouTube channels complained about. They were like, boy, we've already seen this. You fucking relax, guy. Fucking Recaps 80s. used to be a thing. Yeah, a fucking thing. take it. Fuck- and by the way, it's the quickest and best recap I've seen. It is. Dude. It is. And, and, and people were so spoiled now. Yeah. I, I would be thankful back then because you, you, you don't remember. You fucking watched the movie a year ago. Like, thank you. you fucking, now, now I remember. Now we can start. The and it was just the end. It was just like, here's what happened at the end. Let's fucking move on. Yeah. Done. A remind, and it picks a up right then. So it's like, a guy fucking pisses. Thank out. You. Anyway, <laughs> we open uh, with that quick uh, recap. Uh, and then we open to an adventurer named Elliot Spencer. Uh, very oldie time adventurer, like well, wild, not wild thornberries. I don't know. Uh, what, what does he look like? I don't, what does he fucking look like? I don't know. Uh, in a military esque type base, which is true. He is in the military, um, with the lament configuration. Now, if this guy looks familiar, that's because this motherfucker is Doug Bradley. None other. We watch him open the lament configuration and begin to be tortured and turned into none other than fucking Pinhead. Oh, get it. Anyone that has love that open. Hand, anybody that's come across the lament configuration can easily open it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, we cut to Kirsty. It's just a fun way to open that. Like, here's fucking Pinhead's origin. No I fucking drawn out story. So- Nails going into his head. Uh, yeah, exactly. You're just like, oh shit, that's fucking Pinhead. That's, cool. <laughs> that's how they fucking. We just him. saw it. That's all you need. Like, we just saw him get created. That's all. They just beat the that's shit out of me. him. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Uh, Kirsty wakes up immediately following these events of part one. Um, she's in a psychiatric ward being investigated by the police, as we mentioned. Um, we see the cops at the house also uh, finding corpses in baskets and closets. Um, which the cop is shooting for some reason. Um, <laughs> Which they acknowledge too. Like, hey, we got this evidence, like, hey, listen. Uh, it was fired upon. <laughs> and they, the cop's face is like, what the fuck? Shot it like 19 times. Um, 
We meet Kyle McRae, as you mentioned. Uh, he shows up. He's a nurse slash doctor, not really sure, but very sympathetic to Kirsty. Um, Kirsty is having some hardcore visions, though. Um, and we also see this little girl, Tiffany, playing with a box. Uh, we see skinless Frank writing, I am in hell, help me on the wall, which you think is Frank. And then you think is her dad because she's like, that was actually my fucking dad. And you're like, oh, shit, that's crazy. Um, yes. And that's played by uh, Oliver. Uh, what's the last name? Smith. Oliver Smith. He's back. He played skinless Frank. First. Frank. Yep. Uh, reprise that role. Uh, he will also play another character in this, the mental patient uh, Browning. Um, who who has an amazing scene in this? That dude, dude got fucking two killer roles, man. Um, you already mentioned Christopher Young. Uh, we meet Doctor Channard roaming the halls, showing us all the inmates in the facility, and they are in rough shape. This is not this is not your normal facility. This is like for the criminally insane. I would say is I imagine what they would call this. Sure. Um, Kirsty reveals her father uh, was the, was <laughs> McCray's in there, and she's like, "Hey, uh, my dad visited me last night," <laughs> and McCray's like, "Oh yeah, uh, I think I'm done sympathizing for you now. <laughs> like, that's you actually are fucking nuts." <laughs> um, and we get some flashbacks explaining what happened between Frank and Julia again, how they opened the gates to hell, how they were lovers. Um, and uh, we see Dr. Channon on the phone and he's like, just move it to my house. Just move it to my house. You don't know what he's talking about. The item he's referring to is the mattress from the first movie th- that uh, Julia w- died, on. died on. Died on. Yeah. Um, and is this is this McCray that breaks into the fucking house? That's who that is, right? Yeah. Yeah. McCray goes to his home and is like, hey, this guy's nuts because he has all the – he's like oh, – to your point, the guy has like twenty five fucking lament configurations. Yeah, in uh, it, uh, under glass. Yeah, under glass. And uh, McCray, uh, he, he stuck into it because he's acting. Oh, he stuck into it because Kirsty says something about him. Oh, Kirsty, Kirsty's like uh, this guy's fucking whack job. He's like Kirsty ah. picked up a vibe, huh? Yeah. Um. So he breaks in to investigate, and he sees those, and then he also sees. He also sees what's about to unfold on this mattress. Imagine seeing that mattress in your house. You leave and you call the fucking police. That's the end of the story. That's the end of the mattress. Must stink too, dude. Oh my god, are you fucking kidding me? Oh my god. Um, and he reads this book, and you see some crazy shit. You see drawings of lament configurations, and you see a picture of Doug Bradley uh, as Elliot Spencer in there. Um, he's collecting articles about death being the fourth dimension, which I kind of like, uh, kind of dig that. Um, and pics of like the box and all that. Uh, and he has the three configurations under glass. Just as all this is happening, Chandler shows up. Uh, and he also has a patient with him. Uh, again, skinless Frank playing him. Uh, this guy's seeing bugs on him and Channard lays him on the fucking mattress and hands him a fucking straight razor. And this motherfucker just fucking cuts himself. Goes to town on mattress. himself. And and the way that shot is, is brilliant to be honest with you, because it keeps cutting from 
what he's seeing, you know, the maggots in the, in the flesh, and then what yep. everyone else is seeing, because there's no maggots there. He's just delusional. And he's just slicing the maggots, trying to get them off of him, just cutting himself to pieces. It is, I, it is a, it's kind of a hard scene to watch, man. Like, that dude is. Gross. It's gross, and like, that's fucked up. It's like really sad. Fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. it's fucking sad. Um, it's fucking insane. Uh, and then. We see bloody hands and bloody feet come out and fucking grab them. Yes. Fucking Julia. She's back. <laughs> Julia is back. Coming back just like old Frank did in the first one. Yeah. Skinless Julia's here. Um, and she I mean, oh, I guess we can call Dr. Channard uh, a mangle expert, right? Because he knows he knows how to make this happen. He knows fucking everything about this. Yeah. It's nuts. Um, Julia's hungry. She gets her lunch here. Um Julia's like, help me. Uh, and we see that Channard uh, does help her. And Julia starts living her best bloody ass life you could ever imagine inside Channard's house, just walking around, uh, leaving bloody footprints and handprints all over the fuck. I'd be like, can you please just stay in one fucking room? Like, this is going to be such a fucking headache to clean. <laughs> all over your carpet. Fucking kidding me. Just stay in one fucking room. Um, but that does not happen. Uh, instead, he bandages her up. Yes. Um, which I feel like it's going to hurt coming off. Um, I mean, I feel like it's not going to do anything. Like, what are you bandaging? You, you <laughs> just fucking sinew. <laughs> I also love that bloody Julia is smoking and drinking. It's the first thing she does. And first I'm thing like, she you know does. what? <laughs> Julia fucking rocks. Like, dude, the first thing she does is like, this is fucking wine. <laughs> fucking drinks it. Starts smoking cigarettes. Um, and, uh, well, Frank, yeah, actually, now you say that, Frank Frank has a cigarette, too, when he first comes back, which is so yeah, funny. It's fucking horny. You, you just had the best sex of your life, man. You were fucking ripping after fucking torture cigarette. Uh, anyway, Julia Gulia is still horny as fuck, despite receiving all of the pleasures, and uh, seduces Mr. Channard here. Yes. Um and Kiss on the lips. Skin. This is oh, almost bro, as gross as the guy slicing the maggots. He's like pulling up her skirt. I hated it. I hated it. She is so bloody and gross. I mean, uh, yeah. This movie, uh, the Hall of Fame grows out. Meanwhile, McCray, who was there, has left, gone back to the hospital, found Kirsty, and is like, hey, by the way, everything you said is fucking true. <laughs> 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 and she's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, well, then get the fuck out. Like, we got to fucking leave because this is fucking insane. I just saw a fucking skinless corpse come out of a mattress and fucking eat somebody. Um, so McCray jailbreaks her. Uh, she's immediately like, we're going to the house. And I thought she was talking about the old house, but she's talking about Channard's house. Yes. Ballsy as fuck. Um also, at this point, fucking Kyle, fucking McCray, fucking take it easy, man. He's like, okay, baby. He, like, rubs her fucking lips with his thumb. Like, fucking poor girl just lost everyone she fucking knows. This, this is literally a day after the events. She's, she's in a psych ward. She doesn't even know what's coming or going. This guy's like, hey, baby. <laughs> uh, anyway, Channard, while this is all going on, is getting more bodies. And, like, I mean, like, more fucking bodies. The, the room's got six fucking corpses hanging in it. Maybe more even. Um, you're just hanging around his house. 
uh, one is a good looking gal for her to accept her form. Yes. Which she absorbs. Channer cuts off the bandages and we see Julia's back, baby. She looks great. I know I she looks that way better than she the first one. So much like, better. <laughs> looks so good. Um, and and that, that scene is really cool and very, very, um, what's this guy's name? Tony Randall. Very Tony Randall-y, uh, which is also kind of very old universal monster Frankenstein-esque because like lightning's cracking. <laughs> There's like wind howling as he's like cutting yes. off the bandages. It's not very, it's not it's Hellraisery. I'll put it that way. Uh, but it's very tonal, Tony Randall. Uh, it's a, it, that's a good comparison because tonally it is a lot different than the first one. Like you said, the first one in this is serious as serious could be. And this one, not that it's like goofy. Or, well, yeah, I mean, it is goofy, but not that it's like humorous, but it's a little more lighthearted, especially at the end. There's like some Hollywood to it, right? Like, like the first one, you're like, should I be watching this? Like, what what is this fucking about? Like, sh- is this okay to watch? This one, you're like, I'm watching a movie. Like, I'm watching a bigger budget movie here, um, so it's going to appeal to more people. Um, so Kyle takes Kirsty to the house, uh, which is fucking insane. Um, and Kyle's like, hang on, I'm going to scope out the house where he finds Julia, who he's like. <laughs> Where's the doctor? She's like, I don't know. And he's like, okay, we got to get you out of here. <laughs> Instead of being like, you're probably in on this because there's a bloody mattress in the next room. Uh, but she's like, go check that room. He's like, go check that room out. Goes in, sees all the bodies. And she's like, isn't that fucking weird? And he's like, yeah. And then she's like, okay. And then fucking kills him. Uh, it's fucking awesome. Uh, sucks the soul right out of him. Kyle McRae, who I thought was going to make it, does not. And again, coming off of aliens in a lead role, <laughs> just to be killed off in Hellraiser too. Yep. And while this is happening, Kirsty's going through the books that Kyle already did, um, and she's put together. She puts together that fucking Elliot is pinhead. She's like, oh shit. She takes Elliot's picture uh, just in case. Just in case you need that smart. later on. Uh, Very yes. smart. Um, but then she hears Kyle's dead ass fall on the ground and goes to investigate only to find fucking Julia. And I really thought that they were going to be like, she wouldn't see Julia and Julia would come from behind and knock her out or something. They fucking encounter each other, man. It's such a good scene. Like I fucking love it. I fucking love it. And, and Julia gives a fucking, uh, a little, I don't want to call it a monologue. I mean, it's short, but she's like, I'm no longer the wicked stepmother. I'm now the evil queen. Take your best shot, Snow White. She's fucking dark. Ju- yep. This Julia is different. Julia she's is. She's seen some shit. Yeah. She's seen some shit and she is ready to fuck people up. Um, Yeah. Uh, and then Chandler walks in. Well, oh, well, they knock. She, dude, she slaps that. She slaps fucking. She slaps Kirsty so fucking hard. It was like, it was like an earth shattering. Uh, Channard, though, walks. She's knocked out. Channard walks in with the little blonde girl, Tiffany. And uh, he goes, Now it's my turn, which I thought implied meant he knew that he was like going to make himself like her. I thought he was going to make himself like Julie. I thought that's what he wanted. Um, but later he'll be like, What the fuck? Well, um, what's cool about that, and I love that scene, and that's kind of what you get from the book with Frank. Like Frank wants the next level, and then when he gets there, he's just like, 
what the fuck? Like, I don't know. Oh. I want this. And yeah, kind of got that vibe from him because that, that is what he thought he wanted, but it's beyond right. human comprehension when you finally there. That's, mm, dude. Maybe not. How do you fucking think of this shit, Clive? Like, how the fuck do you even fucking. <laughs> why are you thinking about this shit? Um, they lock Tiffany in a room with the lament configuration and they're watching her through a hole in the wall. Um, this little puzzle master, not to be confused with the page master starring one Macaulay Culkin. Uh, remember that fucking flick? Uh, yeah. she opens the puzzle immediately. Um, which I, again, my note, this is where I had my note where I was like, what, why is everyone like, Cause like Chandler's like, holy shit, she fucking did it. What? Of course Ch- she You should have just tried. <laughs> Solve it in a minute. Give it a fucking, give me a old scholarly try. Uh, and again, the walls open up all over the house, and out comes the fucking crew: Butterball, female Cenobite, Chatterbox, uh, and we watch Pinhead get his big fucking reveal, which I already talked about, and. Which must have been so sick for Brad, uh, Doug Bradley, too, who's like, you know, he took that role, not really thrilled about it, and now he's like, oh, fuck, like, I get this fucking yeah, entrance, bro. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like you mentioned, uh, he's like, no, no, no. When they see, because they're about to fucking kill that little girl. <laughs> and then he's like, no, no, no. And something about the hands and the desire thing. Um, so Tiffany is, mm, is fine. She's safe. They leave her totally alone. Meanwhile, Kirsty wakes up to the same old horse shit she's <laughs> had to deal with for the past however long. Uh, and she starts running around looking for her dad, which the only that, this was like, honestly, my biggest thing, which is like, hey, dude, your dad's just dead. Like, don't overthink this, which is yeah, funny. But- this is what I actually wanted to talk about earlier, because that's what Frank tells her. Frank's like, hey, dude, your dad's fucking dead. Like, fucking take it easy. <laughs> Like he's think, not one of us. But she saw the fucking corpse in the room that said, help me, I'm in hell. Yeah. So that's why she's motivated to find But, dude, even after she finds out that that was Frank, she's like, she's still like, daddy. Well, she's. Well, her dad died. Her dad also died. Uh, <laughs> pretty traumatic. 48 hey, hours. Guess what? <laughs> Guess what? They're also in a labyrinth now. We we get a view of where these people mm. are from, and it is a big ass labyrinth with a giant diamond in the center called Leviathan. Yeah. It's not the Leviathan. It is Leviathan. It's it an is entity. its name. Its own god. It is an entity. It is a god, um, god of the labyrinth, if you will. Um, Lo- they call it Lord of the Labyrinth, the god of hunger and flesh. It's fucking cool. I I'm fine with it. As you mentioned before, you were like, you kind of said the same thing. Um, why, like, I didn't know people were upset by that, but like, what the fuck else? Like, w- w- there's nothing that you're going to be super thrilled about that, like, Pinhead has to answer to, right? Like, yeah, I think if I had to assume, speak on behalf of other people, may- maybe they're just expecting, like, a, you know, generic hell setting and, like, Satan as, as the overlord said we get. See- a diamond, a floating diamond. <laughs> I, I see. I, I fucking like it. I, actually I like it really too. Like I, it. I, I like it too. And I'm curious to see how it plays or comes into play later on in the series. Cause I don't like fully, like I know they're kind of from hell, but like, I don't really think of them as like from hell. I think hell is just different in this. Like they're not thinking of like 
which is funny because Clive is, I think he's Catholic. He's definitely Christian. Um, but this isn't the hell that you read about. Like, if it is hell. No, it's not um, It's not fire and brimstone hell. It's more, no, 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 like, no. we it's, keep saying it, personal hell. It's more of, like, your biggest fears and, like, anxiety, right? Because you're just trapped. You're, you're, it's despair and hopelessness for right. you personally. So, so anyone hoping for the devil or anything like that, like, this isn't the Christian rendition of hell. And it might not even be hell. We don't even know. This is just the afterlife, sort of. Dimension. Yeah, it's a different dimension. Yeah. And, like, if death is the fourth dimension, like, yeah, you're just going to another dimension. Yeah. That fucking sucks. It's cool. It's a cool concept. <laughs> uh, yeah, very cool concept. Um, anyway, uh, do, 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 do. Tiffany, uh, do Tiffany and Kirsty, like, I don't know how it happens, but, like, they're constantly together and then apart. And then, like, together and apart. And you're just like, wait, what? What? Like, yeah, they experience their just- own hell. Like, Tiffany. Because uh, she doesn't, she doesn't really talk. In the, in she does movie. not. She's uh, see, she's um, a mute from trauma. She's a mute from trauma. <laughs> There's a great scene I can't wait to talk about, but uh, a mute from trauma. But we see a baby having its mouth sewn shut in, in Tiffany's house. And you're seeing like clowns. It's, it's, she's in like a fun house, right? Uh, yeah, with like the wacky mirrors and stuff. It's carnival, yeah. Really a bizarre, like tripped out scene. And then uh, Kirstie's in her own personal hell, with, where she has to deal with Frank and. Just the, that like labyrinth that she's in with with corpses and stuff. I love I love Kirsty's personal hell. Uh, I love the use of the same front door from the first movie. Um, there's a lot of cool. This movie is like super visual, so like I, I think Fair. there's a lot. Of, I, I would say give it a watch because there's a lot of stuff to pick up on that we're gonna like gloss over. But like because of their personal hells, there's just all these like hidden little things. Um, I also loved in Tiffany's. That fucking guy juggling his fucking eyeballs. Eyeballs, yeah. Fucking insane. Fucking insane. Like, and also, why does Tiffany look like Draco Malfoy's dad? Wait, wait. That motherfucker. Lucius Malfoy. Blood eater. What? <laughs> Lucius. A death eater. What do they call him? Death eaters. Yeah. That motherfucker. <laughs> death eater. Tiffany is a death eater, boy. Um. Anyway, uh, baby showed its mouth. Uh, uh, Kirsty. Oh, Kirstie's seeing bugs and blood and shit everywhere. Um, do you think? Do you think there might have been some influence from the studio here, being like, "Make it like Freddy"? Definitely a possibility. It was, it was dreamlike state. It was very, it rem- very much like Dream lot. Warriors. It reminded me a lot of that. It reminded me a lot of like Freddy the dreaming and like very like, and I know it's the personal health thing, but it just seems like they were like, let's add this shit to it. Like to make it exciting. I don't know. Um, anyway, Christy somehow also has the, the lament configuration. I don't know how, but, um, <laughs> whatever. It, it, it's just, they're fucking adding them out like candy. Um, <laughs> uh and Kirsty uh runs into the Cenobites again. Uh and they're like, Oh, Christy, we thought we lost you. We are so glad you're back. I fucking love it. I fucking love this scene. Like th- like dude, Doug is like saying that and he is saying it so slow and with no emotion. And somehow you're like, that motherfucker is so happy to kill her. He is like he you could just feel it. Like, you know what I mean? like he has to like move. 
he somehow has that like half smirk behind all that makeup and Dude, prosthetic. It's so crazy. And he's just like, you could just feel it. Like he's like, Oh, like <laughs> I can't believe I fucking ran into you. <laughs> look, like, you look. This is the best. <laughs> like, this is fucking great. Um, Cause like, imagine you're like, I'll never see her again. The one that got away. Uh, <laughs> like Chris is weird to me. Like remember Frank? Well, I got his girl that escaped you. Dude. Hey, uh, <laughs> remember the first movie? We're going to do the same thing, except the girlfriend is has escaped now. Um, Kirsty also like somehow the lament configuration turns into a diamond. I, I don't know how. Yeah. Um, and 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 Kirsty has like so much balls. Kirsty actually fucking rocks. Actually, I don't know who's dumber, Kirsty or the Cenobites, because Kirsty Kirsty is in hell, surrounded by demons. And is like, where the fuck is my dad? <laughs> what are they gonna? Okay, uh, who cares? Uh, we're gonna kill you now. <laughs> like, what the fuck? We don't have to answer that. We don't have to tell you shit. Uh, you're in our fucking world now. Um, uh, and by the way, Pinhead's answer is like pretty much that. Pinhead's like, uh, he's in hell. Like, what? What do you want me to tell you? Like. He's dead. What? Like everyone's always so confused when Kirsty brings it up. They're all like, "Yeah, he's fucking gone." What? You know this. <laughs> what, what are you we looking for? This. Which is funny because all these people are dead. And <laughs> um. Anyway, old Channer gets uh. He starts having weird visions, right? Like I, I didn't even fully understand what was happening here, um. But. He's like watching somebody fuck somebody, and then it's Julia. I don't know. Anyway, Julia shows Ch- yeah. Julia shows Channer Leviathan, um, the giant labyrinth, uh, and this causes Channer to see all the deeds he's done in his life, which are horrendous, very like serial killer esque too, like fucking chopping up animals as a kid and shit. Um, and Julia says it wanted souls, so I brought you. Uh, Channard is fucking shoved into the, the Leviathan, uh, where piano wire fucking cuts his face. Um, a a, a good old fucking hentai monster cock is shoved into his mouth. Uh, and, uh, that's it. That's the end of Channard. We'll see him in a little bit. Just, he's just, the door closes and he's gone. Monster dick and mouth. Fucking loading him up. Uh, Kirsty and Tiffany find each other again. Um, and Kirsty, they are in another dimension. <laughs> in all the biggest the labyrinth same, of all time. The biggest labyrinth of all time, and the same three. And also, there's layers to it, right? You're the, Dude, Kirsty, uh, so Julia, Julia's on one that's floating in air. And somehow it's an they're MC all just, Escher painting. It it's is like, all MC Escher. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, great. great it's not comparison. And then they all just keep bumping into each other. What funny seeing you here. (laughs) Uh, uh, Which is what they do. But like a few times, Kirsty's like not super cool with Tiffany. Like Kirsty here like berates Tiffany and is like, like, how do we get out? Tiffany doesn't speak. And she's like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, And then Kirsty and Tiffany separate again. But this time I think it was because she was like, go get safe. Like she was like, get out of here, get safe. As men sending a child to do that. Yeah. How, how old is Tiffany in this? 
I don't know, younger than fucking Julie or uh, way younger. Kirsty. Yeah. yeah. And Kirsty's like, listen, get the fuck out of here. Go. Get out alive. She doesn't know where the fuck she dude. Does anyone know where the fuck you're going? <laughs> so she just sends this poor little mute girl on her way. Um, and again, some cool stuff with these labyrinth scenes, um, front doors opening and stuff. And then we go to uh, Kirsty's personal hell, which is Uncle Frank showing up, confronting Kirsty and revealing he was the one, not her father, that was writing those messages on the wall. Kirsty is shocked, which is insane. Alarm. Uh, yeah, very alarming. <laughs> He's the only skinless man you've ever seen. You've ever uh, seen. There's no reason that your dad would be in hell. <laughs> Kirsty, <laughs> Kirsty uh, gives her uncle a little smooch on the cheek and is like, I'll do anything. Dude, she undersells this so much. She kisses her on the cheek and he's like, I'll do anything uh, as long as you like don't hurt me. And then like he's like, like before he can even say anything, she's like, Rah! and like throw, throws a fucking one of the sheets off of like the, the killing table into the flames and everything just lights everything on fire. Everything explodes, screaming. Yeah, because she's like, I'd rather burn. (laughs) Dude, she gives no fucking, uh, what do they call it? Dramatic pause. Like, no suspense. There's no dramatic pause. She's like, I'll do anything. (laughs) Sucker. Kills Frank somehow. But not for me. (laughs) Oh, man. Hey, guess who's back? Fucking Tiffany and uh, Julia. Um, (laughs) They show back up. Julia says, Well, 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 family reunion. Nice. and we got skinless Frank is back because she actually didn't kill Frank. Uh, she just took off his real skin. Um, and Julia and Frank uh, have some history here. They're not super thrilled to see each other. Well, Frank is Frank, thrilled to see her. Frank wants to fuck. Frank, no, Frank wants to control her. Like, Frank is like. Frank is basically like, now get back to where we start. You know what I mean? Like Frank's like fall in line kind of thing. Like, sure. glad to see you. Love you. So glad you're here. But also like, I'm fucking in charge. And Julia's like, hey. Um, Remember when you killed go me? Fuck, go, <laughs> yeah. go fuck yourself. <laughs> uh, absolutely go fuck yourself. Um, and uh, she kills him. Sucks up, sucks that dude's soul right out. While that's happening, oh no, she, I'm sorry, she doesn't suck his soul. She rips his fucking heart out. Rips his heart. She's sick. Yeah. Indiana Jones. Um, the, yeah, the girls get away. Uh, Julia is on the chase. Uh, though it appears there's now like an F5 tornado of some sort, like following them. Uh, Tiffany, uh, for they, Julia's like grab my hand, and for some reason Tiffany's like weighing the options of whether to grab Tiffany or Kirsty's hand, and you're like, you've been a part of this, right? Like, <laughs> yes, it's very weird. And even, even um, uh, Kirsty's like, "Hey, Tiffany, what are you doing? Why would you grab her hand?" <laughs> it's fucking insane. Um, uh, but she does. But grab, not as- she does grab Julia's hand. She does. Uh, and, and I think and, it's because she's pure, right? Because we've already established that she's pure yes. and like they want nothing to do there. Because she just pulls her skin right off. She pulls her skin all the way off and Julia gets sucked into the fucking... She just falls to her death. <laughs> and then her skin is uh, discarded in a, a heap. Which uh, will come yeah. into play later. 
<laughs> Don't forget that skin pile. Old, old Tony Randall in, thought of it all. In the giant fucking labyrinth. <laughs> that scene's actually so funny because, like, Christy's like, hang on one second. <laughs> like, runs away. Um, hey, guess who, guess who's back? Fucking Channard's back. Channard Cenobite is here. Channerbite. <laughs> flies now. He has a built-in jetpack. Well, he, like, comes out, and you're like, oh, Chan Cenobite's kind of sick. And then that fucking alien dick is back, and then, like, grabs onto his fucking head. And he's like, and, like dude, dude, his, his, his noises that he makes are so idiotic. Because they put on, like, a tremble effect, too. So it's almost like, <laughs> he just keeps making those moans. Oh, my God. Um We've got to wrap this. I just realized it's fucking 1230. Uh, this, this is fucking insane. Um, all right. So let's let's skip forward here. Uh, a couple things to note. Chatterbox. Oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Chatter, uh, now that he's, he's a sound of bite, can I just say that this might be my favorite uh, line in the movie or two lines in the movie is we get like his person or it might, it might still be Tiffany's. There, uh, there's patients that are you know, they, they all have like hooks in them and, and wires in them, and they're all in their their uh, beds at, at a hospital. And Channard Cenobite barges in and he just goes, "The doctor is in." And then Tiffany speaks for the first time, just staring at him, and just goes, "Oh shit!" <laughs> I fucking love that. It was so weird because Tiffany actually speaks twice before the end, where it's like it should be the reveal that she can speak, like. But they like him they spoil it twice. They spoil it fucking twice before that. And you're like, oh, this would have been way more effective if this was the first time she was speaking. Yeah. But I thought it'd be like Tiny uh, Tim Scrooge when he finally like gives the line at the end. You're like, oh shit. Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, so and Channard kills us fucking poor patients. Anyway, um the girls escape, but Right into the fucking hands of Pinhead and the Cenobites. Now, you might notice something weird here. Uh, Chatterbox has, or the Chatterer, Chatterbox, whatever the fuck you want to call him. Uh, his look has changed. Yes. He's, He's fucking eyeballs now. Motherfucker's got eyeballs now. <laughs> and that is because uh, Nicholas Vince, who played him, was like, hey, I need to fucking see in this movie. Can yeah. somebody please do that? But it's weird because like most of the scenes are filmed without the fucking eye holes. So also you think they could have done something to just like let them see out of it. I, I do agree. I do agree. But also like you're on screen for two seconds. You, fucking, you don't, you don't do need to see you stand in the corner. Everything Relax. about you is like a prosthetic, like the teeth chattering and shit. Yeah. Um, also, Nicholas Vance took a fucking hook to the fucking jaw while filming a scene. Yeah. Also, all the people, I guess, like that worked on it, all the actors and shit were like, yeah, the motherfucker tells that story to everyone to try and get free dinners out of them. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is like the funniest bit. Like, dude, the they, dude, they told that story on camera. And I was like, seems a little fucking weird, but um anyway. Kirsty has no box to protect her. The Cenobites are here. What the fuck is she going to do? She pulls out the picture of Pinhead as a human and is like, remember you were human too. And Pinhead's like, oh, fuck. I First do she's like, remember. nope. <laughs> Not me. And she's like, yes, you do. And he's like, wait a second. Double takes the picture. 
Dude, that's exactly how it fucking goes. And then he, like, he fucking changes. Um, Channer Bite shows up, and, uh, like, there's this moment of, like, where they're about to, the other Cenobite's about to kill her, but he stops them. And he's like, I remember. And then Channer Bite shows up, uh, who's about to kill Tiffany, when Pinhead drops the photo and fucking attacks Channard. Yes. So there is a rift in hell here. And uh, again, an anti-hero moment here where like fucking Pinhead saves the fucking day. And I kind of fucking liked it. Um, I mean, it doesn't make a ton of sense. I hope we go to just evil Pinhead moving forward, but I I appreciated it here for what it is. Um, Channard shoots his weapons into all the Cenobites, returning them to their human form and killing them. Everyone is dead. All the Cenobites. All the Cenobites that we have grown to love are fucking They're gone. dead. They're gone. He has a fucking Channard. And by the way, Chatterbox is a fucking child. Yes. Yeah. Which is crazy. I, I actually loved that. Um, and uh, he says, I'm taking over this operation. You'll be my first patient. He turns Pinhead into a human. And Pinhead fucking turns and looks at the girls and, like, gives them the fucking, like, the, like, okay nod. Yes. And they're like, okay, we got to fucking escape. And I'm like, that's fucking nuts. And then, then he slits Pinhead's throat. He does. What a fucking weird moment for Pinhead. <laughs> I mean, there's I no way they thought they are going to make nine more. No, no, I guess that's true. Um and that, that's actually like a kind of a good way to wrap it up, right? Like I, I actually thought about it after and I was like, if you were going to end it at two, um, Pinhead's not a good guy. He should die. You don't want that guy lingering around. Uh, that, that's a great way to do redemption. it. He had his moment of redemption. He had a moment of redemption and then a villain killed him and then we're going to get that villain at the end. And I was like, I, I kind of, I'll fuck with that. I'm fine with no, that. No, not yeah. terrible. Um. Anyway, the girls are on the move. Tiffany finds the diamond, um, which, by the way, fucking, she grabs it, and, and Kirsty's like, oh, come on, what is that gonna do? Like, Kirsty, are you fucking kidding? You grabbed a fucking picture of Pinhead, and it solved almost all the problems of the movie, so <laughs> take it fucking easy. She's gonna puzzle our way out of this. Uh, they confront the Leviathan, um, uh, and she starts solving the puzzle, but Channelbite interrupts. Uh, he's about to kill Tiffany, but Kirsty has an idea. She runs away, and you're like, "What is happening?" By the way, Channel could have probably ripped this girl apart eight thousand times before fucking Kirsty ever returns, but she returns as fucking as fucking Julia. Julia. And now I would have paid anything to see Kirsty in a Julia costume, like fucking walking around, like floppy, like. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, it's just the actress that played Julia. Um, uh, she's back, just playing Kirsty. I wish it was like her. loose, getting thin, like Dude, yeah, just like flopping around. <laughs> yeah. Costume like three sizes too big. <laughs> <laughs> and fucking Channard's like, well, honey. <laughs> uh, which is what happens here. He's wearing Julia's skin, uh, and Channard's like, oh, baby, baby. And Kirsty fucking Frenches Dr. Channard here uh, to give Tiffany enough time to solve the puzzle, uh, revealing the lament configuration again. And uh, she completes it just as Channelbite attacks her. Um, and that causes the Leviathan to rip off his head. Yeah. 
don't know why. Um, <laughs> that that was a lot. Probably Julia for wasting save- much fucking time. <laughs> Honestly, probably. Julia goes to save Tiffany, who is now falling off the ledge. Uh, uh, and, and for the first time, uh, Tiffany is hesitant to grab Julia's hand because she thinks it's Julia. Uh, and instead of being like, it's me, Kirsty, I'm wearing <laughs> Julia's skin suit. She's like, you have to trust me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, all right. Um, anyway, she grabs it, pulls off the skin suit again. Uh, but Kirsty's able to grab her, saves her, um, reveals it's Kirsty, and they finish the configuration fully, get zapped back to home where everyone in the psych ward is dead and has already been memorialized with wreaths on, on their fucking bed. <laughs> fucking saddest. And they get home and they're like, oh, thank God we're home. Walk through a fucking ward of empty beds with wreaths on them. Um, the two girls leave. Two escaped convicts leave. <laughs> Peacefully. Uh, back at Ch- It's not the end, though. That's not the end. No. Uh, at Ch- they're cleaning up Channard's house. Channard's gone. They got to clean up that mess. Uh, which, by the way, is a crime scene because there are 800 bodies there. But regardless, the movers are there and find a bloody mattress. And he's like, huh. He gets sucked in. The other mover, we see him come in. He walks into the room. He sees his fucking friend halfway in the mattress. And he's like, (laughs) and then we see a giant pillar come out of the mattress in some of the worst CGI I've ever seen in my life. Like legitimately comes out of the ground and we see all the Cenobites faces are tacked to the big pillar that spins around from the first one and uh, dead people on it and fuck skeletons having sex, little miniature skeletons having sex on it because that makes sense. Uh, and then it spins and we see the face of the vagrant from the first movie. He's got little crickets on his face and he says, what is your pleasure, sir? And the end. That is the end. Yeah. Uh, Ashley and Doug will come back for part three. Uh, Ashley does not make it to part four, but she will come back in a uh, part six. Can't wait. I don't know if I don't know if it's a full role or if it's uh, if it's a full role like she's back or if it's like flashbacks because you know they do that sometimes. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. We will see. Um, Two excited great movies. To, excited to do that. Well, oh, so strong, way too strong for what we're about to see. This is not going to be good for Hellraiser as we continue on this path. It's not going to bode well. You don't start out this strong. Everyone knows that. Uh, Next week, we will do Hellraiser 3 and Hellraiser Bloodline. We are Next week, we get into the silly names. We get into the silly names, which they do not stop doing (laughs) at all, ever. Deader is one, right? Hellraiser Deader. Hellraiser Debtor is one of the names of a movie. Yeah, they got uh, Bloodline. They got fucking lazy. Bloodline Inferno Hellseeker. Hellseeker. Debtor. Hellworld. Hellworld is pretty lazy. <laughs> How is it a world? I mean, it's because of the internet, I think. Uh, and then uh, Revelations. Judgment. Jesus Christ, what a fucking Let's mess. go. Um, Let's go. This is going to be something. Anyway. Guys, it's so fucking late. Thank you all. Thank you, Joe, for sticking on. Two and a half hours. I knew it was going to be long. It sucks. I'm sorry, but like, 
Because you're covering Clive Barker, too. That's the fucking thing. Like, people like listen to this, man. I don't think they're going to. No, I, everyone's going to be so fucking happy. It's going to be insane. But I'm fucking miserable. Anyway, hey, guys, <laughs> thank you all so much. Appreciate you all. Uh, Patreon.com slash I hate horror. I know we haven't done any bonuses in a while, but we'll be back with bonuses soon. Um, and uh, we will get these, we will start getting these episodes out earlier. So you get that early access to it, um, quicker. I know that hasn't been a thing for a while, so I appreciate you all for being patient with that. So we'll be back, um, there patreon.com slash I hate horror. If you want to donate, uh, facebook.com slash I hate horror, I hate horror.com Instagram at I hate horror. Uh, Joe, where can they find you? Instagram boognish 1985. That is it. Thank you, Joe. Thank you all for listening. And for Joe, this is Sean. Stay weird. Thank you. Adios. Fucking zombie getting sliced and diced. The monster.